All right, I'm all ready and set to record tonight's episode covering No Gun's Life. I better go ahead and get the disclaimer over with first, though. Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language which may be unsuitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, please be forewarned that there may be spoilers present for any and all anime, including but not limited to No Gun's Life. So please be careful if there is any series that you have yet to finish. And finally... The opinions expressed in tonight's episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Okay, now that that's over, I think I'm ready to begin. Although I guess it wouldn't hurt to check my Twitter first. Hmm, let's open this up. Let's see. The world is burning. Our government is insane. Well, that's nothing now. Oh, Missing Link won a Golden Globe. That's cool. Wait. What's this? There. There was supposed to be a second Ninja Scroll film? There was already completed animation for it? And it got cancelled? How, how, how did I not know about this? I... I... I can't... Brain... Does not... Compute... Ugh... falling on the window outside my office. It was a cold, dreary day in the city. Not much to do. Not many cases to solve. All of a sudden, I heard a thump outside my door. I got up, went to it, opened it. There's a letter outside. A letter asking to hire my services to review anime dubs. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the, another episode of Dub Talk, where we talk about the latest and greatest in English dubbed anime. Uh, I am your host, Amon. Uh, I am joined tonight by my uh, fellow PIs, uh, Roots. Robot is online. Reviewing primary directive. 16 hours intermission. Destroy Jupiter 2. Destroy Robinson family. <laughs> I gotta bring out the classic robot references whenever we're talking about a robot show. I'm that sorry. is not—that's classic. That, Lost I in mean, space. Are you Lost in space? I, Come on, no, no, Noah, I, Lost in space. There was a '90s movie. There's a Netflix show. I know, I know, but it, it's for this particular kind of show we're talking about. That's not. Mm. No, 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 no. It makes complete sense because you know what the Netflix reboot and this show have in common. It's weird. You know what they have in common? It's weird. You know common? what they have in common? They made the robot sexy, obviously. Okay, there we go. <laughs> They've looked. Uh, the anime people looked far and wide at all the anime, and they're like, "Hey, all the monster fuckers are having all the fun. Where are the show for the robot fuckers? We're gonna give it to them. We're gonna put them in tight pants." <laughs> Which brings up the question: If uh, our main character has, you know, proper equipment, but we'll get to that. Well, judging by that two-page spread in Volume 2 where uh, Olivia is curled up on his lap, I'm going to say probably. So, what you're real Roots, what you're really asking is, is Juzo packing? <laughs> <laughs> to which the answer is, yes, but he needs somebody else to pull his trigger. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not even two minutes in this episode's derailed. And uh, yep. I am no a clue, ladies and gentlemen. I had a Spider Noir reference ready to go for this intro, but I've completely ditched it by now because we clearly don't have any dignity. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, our uh, our we were going to be joined by a fourth co-host, uh, Spaceman Hardy, uh, but unfortunately, he cannot join us tonight uh, because earlier tonight he learned that in 2012 they're going to be making a sen- a second Ninja Scroll movie, and then it got canceled, and it has left him in such a state of shock that he cannot uh, talk about anything, unfortunately. Uh, but we thank you for talking about the show with us off the line before the episode, and we hope you a speedy recovery from this horrifying news definitely but tonight uh, as you may have guessed from the ludicrous hard-boiled intro i did we are going to be talking about no guns life sf hard-boiled the gun smoke drifts the muzzle talks that is amazing english uh, that's that's pretty decent it's beautiful it's it's poetic it, it is <laughs> oh absolutely i uh it, it is uh walter Whit. Uh, yeah was it walter whitman yeah walter whitman's Wal- t- Wal- <laughs> Leaves of grass could not have been written better than this. Bullets of a gun. The poem. A novel-length poem written by a poor guy living with his parents well into his 50s. It's a good poem. You all should read it. Anyway. What is this show about? I'm glad you asked. From No Gun's Life. Uh... After the war, cyborg soldiers known as the Extended were discharged. Juzo Ino is one of them, a man whose body was transformed. He's ever placed with a giant gun with no memory of his previous life or who replaced his head and why. Ino now scratches out a living in the dark streets of the city of Resolver as a Resolver, taking on cases involving the Extended. Uh, and it all goes well until a certain case lands on his desk and he finds himself embroiled in a conspiracy and mayhem. He must decide how to proceed. I mean, if you couldn't tell from a world where people can replace their body parts with cybernetic enhancements, which is a, is a staple of the cyberpunk genre, and correct me if I'm wrong, Amon, but the cyberpunk mm-hmm. genre is very heavily deep in uh, criticism of society and uh, usually, like, anti-capitalist in nature, am I right? Absolutely. Look, there's absolutely. There is a reason that when you get down to it, the uh, villain of, uh, say, Blade Runner... Is not really any of the replicants, it's the Terrell Corporation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason for that. So, and I'm very glad that they decided to make this this particular show is kind of in the style of Blade Runner, except instead of it being in a futuristic city, it's kind of set in a, a past city, like a, a 1910s, uh, not cyberpunk, but steampunk kind of universe. A little bit. It's it's very it's very old timey for something for for a show where people have uh, cybernetic bodies. Everything feels very rundown and old. This is not the gleaming future we were promised. <laughs> this is this is this is kind of the mundane future where Humphrey Bogart has to like you know go investigate <laughs> divorce cases because that's what pays the bills sometimes. Humphrey Bogart with a giant gun on his head and metal teeth. Oh, man, I, I, I can't wait to see that reboot. I mean, you know, because now you know, they, how they're taking actors and they're, they're like, remaking them using CGI to bring dead actors back to life. Imagine they, mm-hmm. they use the that worst. technology. But they, like, they that use that like, technology. Oh, my yeah. God, that is, like, the most cyberpunk thing going on right now. It, it really is. You're right. It, right down to the corporate, uh, corporate synergy not caring about humanity element of it. 
Just think, in 20 years, uh, not 20, in 100 years from now, when we're all dead, somebody could remake this podcast and, like, cybernetically recreate our voices without our consent. Hello, fellow listeners. I'm Roots <laughs> of Justice. Welcome to the Dub Talk Podcast. <laughs> and so are we going to talk about the cast list of this episode. <laughs> this is a true fact. Segue. <laughs> also, also speaking, speaking of, speaking of CGI, I did want to note my favorite thing about this episode. Note about this show: No Guns Life, made with Unreal Engine TM. <laughs> Every time it pops up in the credits, I'm like, amazing. Look how far, to, look how far technology has come. Well, what else? What else do you expect from Madhouse? I don't know anymore. Everything I knew about Madhouse is like a decade out of date at this point. <laughs> this is what I get for not following the news ever. Anyways, now that we've had our fun, shall we talk about, uh, shall we get started and uh, start talking about the ADR director and scriptwriter for this show? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, right. what weapons do they have on their heads? Um, let's see, I guess the, the ADR director <laughs> probably has either a microphone or a mixing <laughs> board, and I'm guessing the writer probably has, a, like, you know, a pen or something, some sort of writing utensil. It's a giant pencil. <laughs> exactly. It's a giant hand with a pen. It's the rejected, uh, um, Clippy, uh, mascot. <laughs> Clippy! <laughs> <laughs> that was rejected because it didn't look stupid enough. I, I see you're dubbing an anime. Can I help? Alright, <laughs> <laughs> who's who's got the microphone on their head? Uh, did we have any predictions for these guys? For oh. These roles. I, I'm, I'm so gonna go be ahead. honest with you. I ended up uh-huh. predicting it like hundred percent spot on. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can go. You can go last then. Noah, did you have any predictions? Well, I, I did, but uh, see, the thing is that I thought this was the show about the, the high school boys who play soft tennis and have emotional uh, bonding experiences. So uh, mm-hmm. all my predictions are very, very off here. Um, like, I, I had absolutely the wrong casting for the guy with the gun on his head or for the, the woman who's, uh, you know, a gearhead. So uh, probably not a good thing to ask me. Fair enough. All right. I also did not. I did not. Well, I have predictions, but I don't have any for director and writer because I'm bad at it. Um, so in that case, Aww. Roots, Roots, if you did in fact, uh, would you like to give your predictions in that case? Okay. So, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't really a prediction, and more, um, the director kind of accidentally spoiled his involvement before the show even came out. I remember this now. Yeah. Where he put out a, a tweet that he was in the booth starting work on a new project. And the No Guns Life manga is clearly visible in his office. <laughs> Subtle. Uh, he was, and it's just he was like... Cr- I, I'm sh- he was... <laughs> he, he was trying to hinge on that being new enough that no one would recognize it. It could have been a red herring. <laughs> That's true. I mean, but it, it could have unlikely. been, but, it, it, it could have been, yeah, he could have been trying a, um, uh, when they were announcing the cast for free, and Travis Willingham said, I've got a big announcement tomorrow, and that is, I'm getting a haircut. Also, I'm not in the free dub. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, and in terms of writer, I didn't actually get that correct, but, um, around the same time, 
Jared Green had announced he was starting to do script writing for Funimation. I don't remember if it was part or full time, but I ended up putting him in here because it. I don't know if it would be in his wheelhouse, but it kind of feels like it. So, those were my predictions. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, in actuality, uh, the ADR director is as retinted to if you were following him on Twitter at the time. The ADR director was, in fact, Kyle Phillips. Uh, very, very brazenly tweeted that out. Wait, 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 wait. Who the fuck is Kyle? He's that director we like. <laughs> not, But not the other director we like, or that other other director we like. No, 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 no. other 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 director that we like. Yeah. Well, think of it. We have a lot of directors we like. We should make and a system And that one that just happens to constantly do the ones that... The shows that constantly seem to be very specifically Roots branded. <laughs> Mike McFarland? That was a reference to another episode. Ah. I'm sorry, you were saying I'm on. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, in addition, uh, Kyle has gotten some uh, assistance on this project. Uh, uh, he's gotten, uh, for an assistant ADR director, we have uh, Tabitha Ray and Megan Shipman. Uh, and per Kyle's Twitter, apparently uh, the most recent episode as, as of this recording, episode 9, was in fact fully directed by Megan Shipman because Kyle's on a paternity leave. He had a baby recently. Congratulations, oh, wow. Kyle. Yeah, congratulations, Kyle Phillips. Um, this is kid number two, right? I believe so, yeah. Okay. It only gets better from here. <laughs> and you would know, wouldn't you? It, 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 you gotta be a special kind of dad. And I, I feel confident saying Kyle is, and indeed, a special kind of dad. I would hope so. He seems like it. Uh, and uh, on ADR script writing, we have Clayton Browning. Uh, Kyle, you might know for directing shows such as The Ancient Magus Bride, Hinamatsuri, and Overlord. Uh, Tabitha Ray and Megan Shipman have also done their own directing. Tabitha's done uh, Suredure Children, Toke, Me Meiji Tokyo Renka, and Goblin Slayer. Megan Shipman's done Astro Lost in Space, Farigon, and Radiant, among others. Uh, and Clayton Brown has written such shows as Boogie Pop and Others, Farigon, and SSSS Gridman. Uh, so... Uh, gentlemen, why don't you tell me what are your thoughts on the writing and directing of this dub? Uh, it's a it's a very um, interesting hybrid of a couple of different genres, like we talked about in the intro. And um, uh, did you guys watch any of the sub of the original Japanese audio? I watched a little bit uh, before the dub started. Coming yeah, out. I've only seen the first episode. So. Okay, okay, I, and I asked because. Um, I, I, I did not, so I don't know uh, how the Japanese handle some of the archetypes, because, you know, we know J Japanese voice acting is very archetypal, and English voice acting can be too. I don't think there are some, some archetypes here aren't really archetypes that exist in English, and we'll talk about those when we get to them. But the key thing for uh, what we've seen is that this is such an alien world, so the dub has to do its best to make everything as palatable as possible. If you were to uh, give all the actors... Um, uh, super synthesized or super robotic or super distorted voices, you know, kind of talking in a Stephen Hawking voice throughout the whole thing. That would make it more difficult to for the audience to grasp uh, the war, the technology, the conflict, and the characters. So I like that Kyle and his team went with um, lots of um, uh, lots of recognizable voices. Um, everybody is pretty easy to grasp onto based on their first interactions, like based on just their voices. Uh, you've got gearheads, you've got 
villainous characters, you've got hard-boiled detectives, you've got drag queen landladies, and all of them are pretty easy to grasp onto right away. So I think it's a really good direction job for a kind of show that I don't think we have like an equivalent to compare it to. And for the writing, there's a lot of exposition in those first couple episodes. Actually, throughout the whole show, uh, at least every other episode is a, de is a description of, here's what the war was, uh, here are the people who donated their bodies to science, here is why this particular brand of cigarettes is no longer available, but why it's so goddamn good. And Clayton does a really good job of, uh, of making all that dialogue, uh, all, like I said, palatable. And so, uh, for this expositing this post-war world, I really don't have any qualms with how they handled this. Um, like, maybe if, uh, maybe if they wanted to go a little bit goofier to really play up the alienness of the world because it's so different from our own, or is it, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> but I, I like what they're doing with this, and I, I think that's, uh, the dub is a big reason why the show has caught on so well with uh, audiences, because uh, if you want to understand, the show is uh, relatively successful of the fall 2019 shows. Probably. I could see it. That's my understanding as well. My, 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 my scale for success usually is a combination of fan art and are like the two anime YouTube people I follow making videos about it. Mm. Uh, and in that regard, I haven't seen too much fan art, but uh, Jeff did a video on it, so that's something. Yeah. I, I mean... I mean, the art aspect of it is, like, I mean, I'm looking at the designs for, like, Jiro, for instance. Yeah, now, now I think, yeah, who wants to draw a fucking gun robot, right? <laughs> that's kind of, that's very easy to mess up. Although, I do, I would love to see the second grader who is watching this illegally, and, like, <laughs> it, it's art class time, and the teacher said, draw your favorite oh, cartoon no. character. Do, 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 do. It's a guy with a gun on his head. <laughs> time for, God damn it, another parent-teacher conference. <laughs> Oh, you can't win, can you? So, uh, so yeah, so uh, dub pretty good. Excellent. Uh, Roots. Yeah, so this actually ended up being a really interesting dub. Um, like, we'll be getting a more into it over the course of the episode, but a lot of the names attached to the cast are relatively fresh. Um... Oh, yeah. Last time, last time I got to talk about a show like this was um, Goblin Slayer. and <laughs> That's a very different beast. I had mentioned in the episode for that show that I, I take a really... I'm very fascinated when a dub ends up taking on a bunch of people we don't necessarily conflate with anime dubs um and who you would really have to look at ann to see what they had done in the past uh this also follows in that vein and i i'll have words to say throughout the course of the episode on the individual actors but overall i like dubs like this especially with a show like no guns life that is probably gonna end up being one of the big uh one of the bigger name shows that funimation has in its simulcast lineup mm -hmm. so this is probably going to be actively viewed by people so getting a bunch of fresh faces in front of the audience is always a good thing in my book even if the dub ends up not particularly like perfect 
pristine. Like you're getting new people in front of the, in front of the mic, in a capacity that you know people are going to look at a name on on the cast list and they're like, okay, this is this person. Mm -hmm. And in subsequent seasons, you know, oh hey, that person from No Guns Life is back. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's always a nice uh, a nice thing when you have like. Uh, you could have uh, character actors who have done a lot of stuff in the background who have been like, um, you know, one-shot roles. And yeah. to finally say like, um, oh, it's that guy from a show. Like, I actually recognize them from one show. Yeah, that, that can carry you a long way. Yeah, like, uh, I'm assuming a bunch of these people were from, like, Walla at Funimation for a little while. Maybe, like, a couple of years. And mm -hmm. then finally managed to, like get a big name credited role so like good on that um in terms of direction it's kind of a boilerplate kyle phillips stub which it's another one of those roots coins something that sounds like an insult but it really isn't because <laughs> kyle is a very consistent director i mean the three of us talked about fire force a couple weeks ago so it's true and um yeah that's a that was a very well produced dub this one is as well and the um clayton browning in terms of the scripts does a really good job sort of balancing out the hard-boiled detective drama with the with the goofy juzo's face turns into alphonse elric I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I'm sure we were all thinking it, but yes, that, or, there seems to be quite a bit of FMA influence on this. Or Elias from Ancient Magus Bride, where where he just turns mm -hmm. chibi for a couple of scenes, and it's he's got to be goofy. I can just see, oh, I just imagine the animators. Oh, thank God, his face is a little easier to draw in these in these chibi moments. <laughs> I can get paid this week. But it's just. The dub scripts managed to handle that tightrope back very, very well. So, in all, on the production side... Oh, and by the way, the, the audio mixing is also really rock solid. Mm -hmm. um, I we, we try to bring up, you know, editing and mixing every once in a while. And um, there's a lot of hard-boiled action and a lot of big sound effects going off. And the... The dialogue audio is never drowned out by it. So, on the production side, overall, it is a very consistent package. Very solid job. Yeah. I'd like I'd like to second that about the audio mixing being very well done. I, uh, I particularly like that um, as, as a show that has a lot of robots and cyborgs in it, there are quite a number of filters being used. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do like that they have put effort into trying to make everybody sound distinct, even within that. Um, I don't I don't know enough about like applying filters to be able to say like oh this is or isn't the same filter being used everybody but there's there's very much an attempt of like everyone everyone sounds like you can tell who it is even outside of like the vocal quality um, it's really well done uh, directing wise I, I like this a lot I'm a I'm a sucker for a good noir story I love this shit <laughs> uh, give me give me a down out pi who gets the kick uh, gets the crap kicked out of him most of the way through the movie but still prevails at the end 
Or maybe doesn't. You know, our protagonists don't have very good life expectancy, frankly. No. Uh, they really don't. My favorite is the ones where it starts off with them in the middle of dying, and then you find out everything in flashback. That's always fun. <laughs> Looking at you, double indemnity. <laughs> Sorry if I spoiled double indemnity for you. Well, they're dying. You know, at least we, we didn't get too attached to them. No! <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure attached is how I describe my feelings toward Fred McMurray's character, but I see your point. <laughs> You have the same problem with, like, like villains that were not at all sympathetic, and then right as they're about to die, it's like, oh, by the way, he loved puppies, and his dad never paid any attention to him when he was a boy. It's, the noir villains are usually, the noir characters usually aren't written with that level of manipulation. It's more just like, <laughs> I think I find you interesting rather than likable. Because <laughs> you're still kind of an asshole. But that's a good thing. Which is... <laughs> um... Anyway, but no, this is I, I I enjoy the direction on this a lot. I think it feels very authentic to that aspect of the of the story. I feel like you know there, are, especially in the early episodes, there are plenty of instances where Juzo is monologuing about one thing or another, and I think those are all very well executed and well produced. Um, I think everybody just sounds really great. I I'll, we'll talk more about the casting as we get the individual characters, but I think this is really well done on a cast front. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with this. Kudos to Kyle. Kudos to Tabitha and Megan. Um, I, I also really like Clayton Brown's writing a lot for the same reason. It feels very noirish. Uh, he, he, as Noah was pointing out, he handles a lot of, um, uh, like, you know, explanatory dialogue, and I think he makes it flow very well and not just sound like a dry lecture. If I have any complaints, I have one very, very minor one, which is that there's a minor villain introduced a few episodes in, uh, who's sort of a rampant uh, cyborg criminal named Hugbear. And my complaint is is only that in the manga, they localized his name as Huggy Bear, which I find infinitely more entertaining. <laughs> I was a little disappointed to find out that that was not shared by the anime dub script. But that's that's a me thing. I'm fine with that. Otherwise, it's really well done, and I'm very happy with it. Huggy Bear. Mm. Huggy Bear. You know? Yeah, no, I know. I remember that cartoon from the 80s. You know, that, that Disney show, The Huggy Bears, where... You know, they, they drink uh, juice that makes them uh, uh, have wielding blades come out of their arms when they hug people. Yeah, I, I love that cartoon. Isn't that the Gummy Bears? No, no, you're thinking of a, a completely different no. show. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, Noah, uh, Noah, this is a Starsky and Hutch joke. You're about ten years too late. <laughs> this entire podcast is made of references that are about ten years too late. Noir is like a hundred years old at this point. It's not that old. It's older, isn't it? It's like 80 years old. It kind of started about like uh, late 30s. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. In sort of the Depression era, right before World War up II, through, kind of. Yeah, yeah and up, and up, up through World War II, up until about mm, end of the 50s, maybe, something like that. That's been on and off ever since. Good point. Um, <laughs> anywho, <laughs> do we have any further thoughts, or shall we move on to the next section? I, huggy Bear. <laughs> Look, someone saw it, they're like, I must take it. This opportunity has been presented to me. I cannot turn it down. Um, but if we're ready to move on, yep. uh, we'll go We'll go to our first set of characters, who are some some minor characters. Uh, they're, they're friends and neighbors of Junzo, who live in an apartment building. Because, uh, like, as with all good noir stories, uh, most of the hero's friends are a bunch of weirdos and layabouts. 
No, no, uh, no, no, Amon, Amon, you're thinking of Seinfeld. You're thinking of Seinfeld. That's a completely different story. <laughs> is it? Is it? I, there is no difference between stand-up comedians and P.I. Noir characters. Not a single difference. They also involve Nazis. <laughs> Soup Nazis! <laughs> No killing the host falls on the clock. <laughs> no you want to talk about you. you want to talk about references that are way too old. <laughs> anyway, oh boy. So who lives with this? Who lives in this guy's apartment? Well, there's a few people. There is his landlady, Christina, who's a. Actually, entirely honest, when I was reading the manga, I wasn't sure if she, if uh, she was supposed to be a crossdresser or if she was just old. Mm -hmm. The art style she. She, she, she seems very much like she's going to pinch her cheeks and, like, try and make it eat cookies, so I, I was not entirely sure. Um, but she, she's his landlady. Uh, there's uh, Scarlet Gosling, who uh, is this... Uh, she's, the, she's the daughter of Andy the Barber, uh, who also lives nearby, and uh, Andy is the one who does all the maintenance on Jinzo's gunhead, uh, because even in this weird fantasy world, you still need to do maintenance on your gunhead. Absolutely. Uh, and Scarlet's, Scarlet's a nice lady who gets hassled by the cops a lot because that's the kind of world they live in. It's very unfortunate. I mean, I, not to make any commentary about the police or anything, but um, <laughs> I, I, how much goodwill have we built up on this podcast that we can get away with? Uh, I mean, look, we already had our little tirade about the evils of digitally recreating uh, <laughs> dead actors. I feel, I feel like if people have like, between this. And the Tana, uh, Tanagawa's Middle Manager Blues episode, if they haven't <laughs> sussed out some of our politics already, it's their own fault. That's a good point. Yeah. I... Oh, yeah, so. So, yeah, this is an interesting group of characters. Although, uh, did, did you ever find out if Christina was actually um, a crossdresser or if it's just the design? I have I have absolutely no idea, frankly. All the sources refer to her as a woman. I, I She is also played by a male actor in the Japanese, mm -hmm. so I guess but like i'm not actually sure frankly i mean it could be sort of a um uh oh god what's his name um uh harvey firestein in um uh hairspray in, kind of situation in, entirely possible like every every source i found which are not which are, is like the fan wiki so it's not like the most official thing in the world hey, like there they is all nothing, use female pronouns so like i have no idea nothing more official than a fan wiki <laughs> if you could we could not get through the nietzsche jobs uh, without referencing the fan wiki that is our bible <laughs> that is our god when we are dead and gone you will you people will reference our fan wiki in order to find out what our deal was <laughs> this is a fair point <laughs> Um, I'm not sure she's referred to by female pronouns. Um, yeah. Shrug. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, what, what's the guy who plays her? I, in Japanese, I don't remember. What about... Or do you want to know who plays her in English? Segway! <laughs> uh, I, I have a suspicion I know the answer. Do we have any predictions for these sets of set of characters? Ah. Um, I only have a prediction for Juzo from here. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that'll make this part go quick. All right. Uh, in that case, uh, Christina is played by Jeremy Inman, who you know for such roles as Beat X in Beat X, uh, uh, Obi in Fire Force, and, of course, JJ in Deer and Ice. You can't see it, but I'm doing the little JJ hand pose because I think it's the funniest thing in the world. I mean, uh, he's the king, JJ. No one can stop him. <laughs> 
I you cannot you, I cannot express how much my enjoyment of JJ increased when I realized that he dances to a song about how great he is. Yeah, it's a bitchin' song. Character. It is. It's a, yeah, that's the best part. It's a great song it's too. The best song in the show. I think it's even better than um uh born, the theme song, History I mean, Maker. In in its defense, it do, it does help that it steals part of the chorus of Faithfully by Journey, but still, <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah. Steal from the best. I mean, really, yeah. Um, uh, Scarlet is played by Macy Ann Johnson, who you know for such roles as uh, Akashi in Azure Lane, uh, Marusan in SSS Gridman, and Yoshihiko Hiragi in Human Lost. And uh, Andy Gosling is played by Andy Mullins, uh, who may or may not be the namesake for that character. I can't. He does not have a name in the manga, actually. I, there's a there's a very real chance he's called Andy because he's been named after his voice actor. I'm dead serious. That. Um, anyways, uh, you would know Andy Mullins for playing such roles as Fogel in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Die New Thesis, uh, Don Krieg and Wapol in One Piece, and Dominic Gastor in Wise Man's Grandchild. Uh, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on these characters? No, would you like to go first again? My thought is that I feel like a chump because of all the roles you listed for Macy and Andy, I have heard absolutely uh -huh. zero of them. These are just ones I picked because they were recent or I've watched well, them. Don't worry about it. No, that's still indicative. Like You would think that I would have at least seen Gridman, but no, I haven't seen it yet. I've heard Ooh, of the shows. I just haven't sure. seen it. I mean, it. In, your, in, your, in your defense, I am also a, 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 I'm a guy who... I would love Gridman. I've still not gotten around to it because I am tired and lazy. Yeah, you you both would really love it for different reasons. I'm I'm sure I would, and I'm glad that you you did recommend it because I mean, as opposed to the people who go through the seasonal shows and just watch everything and hit burnout, I can just wait till the end of the season, let the smart people filter it for me, and only watch the good stuff. So I know that Gridman is well worth the watch, and that Darling in the Franks is not. <laughs> Watch the good trigger anime, yeah. Yeah. Um, that be so the reason why it's uh, good for this show that I haven't seen any of those other shows is that this is my first chance to really give these two a uh, fair shake. Uh, for uh, for Scarlet's voice acting, it's you know, it's higher pitched than uh, any of the other females that we meet, uh, including one who shows up in her same episode. Uh, but she also she also gives Scarlet a, a kind of a cutesier speech pattern to her, and that's really. Uh, it does play up the the idea that she's she's not a ditz exactly like from her design from her buxom blonde design you would think she's kind of more of a ditzy character it's more like she's just kind of an innocent character one who's uh, a good assistant is you know really good at putting hot towels on your face but isn't exactly a ditzy kind of character and so I, I do like the, the little bit that I get to hear from her not really sure what her bigger role in the overall show is going to be except maybe a bit of fan service but uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's a good first impression. And uh, same goes for Andy, too, who I could have sworn it was when I first heard it, because I hadn't checked the cast list before watching it, that, it was, that Andy the barber was voiced by uh, Sonny Strait doing like one of his goofier voices. Uh, it's it not, does sound like that, doesn't it? it, it yeah. Um, and I was kind of surprised that it wasn't. Um, it's a ner nasally, nerdy, old man voice with um, you know, goofy, I would... I would uh, stand up for what's right, but I just peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> kind of weirdness, but but it's good for Andy Mullins to um, 
you know, again, first impression, good on Andy Mullins. Again, I don't quite know what his role is going to be here, except, you know, maybe like the, the tinkerer repairing things that need to be repaired kind of role, which, yeah, you do need one of those. So it's, but, but they're both pretty good. And as for Jeremy's performance, um, I, I want to uh, be respectful of uh, what they were going for here. Um, and if it was supposed to be, uh, if the character of Christina is supposed to be a drag queen, then it's it's a pretty good archetypal version of it. Like they, they make no attempts to hide the, the masculine voice with that goofy affectation of, you know, like blue haired ladies who I just want to take her home and feed her kind of speech parent to her. Um, and uh, we, we didn't really get to do too much exactly. But I do like the element that it adds, like this idea that this tough gun-toting, he is a gun, P.I., is at the mercy of, uh, like, you know, a middle-aged woman who just wants to feed uh, stray kittens off the street. That's a nice dynamic. Kind of shows you, you know, um, you may think you're tough, but at the end of the day, landlady's got to get paid. He may look tough, but he's a big softy inside. That he is. Got a chrome outside, but a soft, squishy ear on the inside. <laughs> oh. uh, roots. So I did a little digging, and um, mm -hmm. in the Japanese, Christina is played by an actor by the name of uh, Masashi Ibarra. Mm -hmm. um, you'd know him from. You probably best know him as Mike Guy from Naruto, but he's also done a bunch of in Ooh. interesting things like. Um, He's dubbed over Robin Williams for Jumanji. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a contrast. And he's, yeah, he's, like, the fake Tom Hanks in the Simpsons movie, Voldemort. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's, like, Robin, this big, um, it looks like he's a big name, um, overdubbing actor, so. Yeah. Sounds just, like it. Just that, that put is a that out there. That is a pretty big, uh, that is a big, uh, honor, too. Like, uh, I don't think we appreciate how much, uh, uh, reputation you get from, uh, voicing over big Hollywood movies in Japan. Hmm. Alright, so, on that note, I'll, I'll start with Christina. Um, it, it's not clear from the outset, as we mentioned, if, um, Christina is in drag, trans, or... And, and, you know, old woman. But um, I like how Jeremy Inman plays her with um, with such a level of sass, but isn't, like, overly flamboyant about it. Like, there, there are scenes, like, um... Uh, do, 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 what is his name? Uh, do, 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 do. uh, Tetsuro meets her for the first time and freaks out. Um, like that was, I personally think that was a little overplayed, but at the same time, that's more the fault of the show than the dub. Um, but o overall, Jeremy and Mint does like. A really great job playing her again with with sass but not like overly flamboyant sass mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um macy ann johnson as scarlet um like noah mentioned i like the fact that she's played more naive than ditzy uh she doesn't get too too much to do in the first eight episodes of the show but i feel like she'll be 
a bit more prominent, especially when we move on to the second core in the spring. And Andy Mullins as Andy. I just like the fact that he's playing this cantankerous old dude. Like, absolutely eccentric, absolutely... But absolutely skilled at what he does. Uh, which is apparently... Barber and gun repairman? That's an interesting combination, but you know what? I'll, I'll roll with it. You know, you gotta get your sight income somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's just great to hear... Because um, I, I was honestly a little bit of a fan of um, Andy Mullins' performance in Copcraft as the Chief. Even mm -hmm. though I felt it was a little stiff, you can go ahead and pop on the episode if you want to hear my opinions on that. Shameless self-plug. <laughs> Listen to other stuff, goddammit. <laughs> we have other episodes. Go ahead. Go back. Listen. It's fine. There's a, there's a lot of them. Uh, is there, is there, keep, you, keep you occupied for weeks. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but it, like, Anne and Andy are just a whole bunch of fun. And Christina is fun. These three characters are fun, and the dub actors play them with a sense of fun. Fun! Fun. This day is fun day. Or should fun we say fun day, fun day. Or should we say it's gun day? <laughs> that pun made a lot more sense if we were recording this on a Sunday. But our kids' seat's still just five bucks. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 the they, seat they is are, $5. But you'll only need the edge! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like old things, audience, because there's going to be a lot of them in this episode. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm, I'm uh, all set if you want to go on one. Oh, no, sure. Um, you know, I, this, this is a fun set of performances uh, for a nice, a nice little group of side characters uh, who I think, at, at, at worst, I feel like they, they are they're a nice touch of, like... Among all the weirdness that Junzo has to deal with, with being a cyborg and dealing with the mob and so on, there's just there's normal people he interacts with who are just trying to live their lives. Normal people? Normal people. The guy's got the, look. The guy is look, We're already we're already in a in a in a horrifying future dystopia where people have been turned into cyborgs in certain capacity. Normal is relative. It's horrible. You call that horrible? I, I have been waiting all my life to get turned into a hybrid human lava lamp creation. If this is what it, this is horrible to you, I don't want to know what you think good is. But think think about it, think about it, Noah. The corporations make it. You have to buy the expensive shit from them to not go berserk. But but we could we could you know, we could jerry rig this. You know we 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 could uh, go underground and we could have like illegal operations that uh, you, you know it may not be the best version of it, but it would be you know bucking the system. You know and throw it on the ground because I ain't gonna be a part of your system, man. And that's what we see in the first episode with that poor <laughs> lady that uh, Mary has to partially disassemble because she has bad parts. That's true because her dad skimped out for the cheap stuff. Exactly. It's Capital, late stage capitalism, man, it's a bitch. <laughs> this is this is already dangerously approaching that plot point in the Blade Runner sequel where they figured out, hey, you know what's better than selling things to people? Selling things to other things. <laughs> Even more money. Don't give them any ideas. 
<laughs> Too late. <laughs> Am- Amazon is already listening to this episode, I'm sure. It's true. Um, yeah, they're a fun. They're a fun bunch of characters. Um, Andy's a lot of fun. Is just this weird old guy who clearly would be very happy to just do haircuts and occasionally clean like giant gun barrels. Uh, and clearly does not want to have to deal with these mercenary types who are apparently kidnapping him. He's a lot of fun. Um, excuse me. Um, I also like I like Macy Ann Johnson's performance as Scarlet. Like, like you guys said, I, I like that they made her more of a um, just more of an innocent. Them, which I think, given the 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 world they're in, that feels very appropriate. Uh, you know, you, a lot of plenty of noir movies have sort of the the kind innocent who either is you know gets dragged in or or sits more outside the action and and views it from their their own perspective and how they can and cannot you know accept what's going on. Um, I think she does that very well. Uh, and I, I think I think Jeremy is a lot of fun. I think. Um, Christina's not like she. She is far from the worst example of this sort of baby a drag queen kind of character. I, I think we've seen plenty in anime that are a little, mm, yeah, a little too much. Uh, and I, I won't say Christina doesn't have any of that, but I do like that she feels relatively downplayed. She feels much more like an actual human being you might encounter. And I, I agree. I think Jeremy does a good job of giving her sass without going too over the top all the time. Um, I, I enjoy these characters. I. I, I can't speak to any sort of um, where the story is going to go from now on. We have caught up with where the manga is in English. Uh, so everything after here is, uh, I, I don't know what's happening. But uh, I hope they keep showing up. They're fun, they're fun side characters. I enjoy them. Uh, so if we are we are ready, we can go on to the next set of characters. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, now we have some bad guys. Woohoo! Because what's a crime, what's a crime story without some shady corporations to uh, mess everything up? Uh, first off, we have Karen. Uh, Karen appears to be a nun who is out seeking uh, an escaped child named Tetsuro, who we'll talk about more later. Uh, but it turns out, nope, she's like a sort of an assassin hitman type who's out to uh, kidnap him back because he wasn't supposed to escape. She, she is a bad nun. She's a very bad nun. Look at the <laughs> way she dresses. I mean, you thought Bad Santa was a, a bad, uh, you know, a bad character. Wait till you see the sequel. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, uh, we have her her boss, her effective boss, Hugh Cunningham. Uh, he he also works for the Barurin Corporation. Uh, I find him amusing because I went to college with a Hugh Cunningham. Uh, he's a lot nicer than this guy, as far as I know. What college did you go uh, to? Uh, it's in Maine. Ah, that explains it. <laughs> that does not explain it. <laughs> I have nothing against Maine. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> What what is the term for people who come from Maine? Is it Mainanites? Mainers, I think. I, Mainers. But Mainers. you don't you don't say it with an E R. You say it with an A H. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay, so <clears throat> all your Mainers, I'm really sorry for all the bad things I've said about your state. Yeah, beautiful. I love you. Want to kiss you? What a god name was Long that? Go back to Long Island. Go back to Long Island. Never make that accent again. We were watching The Heat the other night, and I'm just thinking, I think I was going for more of a Boston accent by accident. Sorry. That's not even Boston. That was still bad. (laughs) I make no promises of being good at anything. That was New Jersey at its most generous. Jeez. Jersey. Oh, I'm still, I'm so sorry. I don't know which state's going to kill me, but whichever one it is, I'm sorry. 
Anyways, you were saying. Uh, Hugh Cunningham also works for the Bruin Corporation. He's the security director. Uh, he does the Bruin Corporation's dirty work, and he really doesn't care what he has to do. If things need to get done, he'll get things done. Uh, case in point! We have uh, Anne, Anne, and Day. Oh, uh, they're a pair of... <laughs> they're a pair of... Yeah. <laughs> they're a pair of probably children or teens mm -hmm. uh, who are extended, and they've basically been uh, hired by, hired. by the Bruins. Hired. Yeah, hi um, forced into working for... Amon, have you seen Cyborg 009? Not in a very long time. Okay, well, all you need to know is children kidnapped off the street to become basically robot monsters. <laughs> against their will. <laughs> oh, I remember that part. Yeah, that... Oh. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're hired <laughs> to, uh, basically go, to go, uh, I'll go kidnap Tetsuro after, uh, Karen and Hugh screwed up the first time, uh, with a lot of promises <laughs> that are probably not going to be kept if they do their job right, frankly, because uh, the Bruin Corporation doesn't have that kind of employee loyalty, if we're being honest with ourselves. Unlike most corporations who treat their employees with dignity and respect. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm only saying that because my own employees may be listening to this, and I love working for you people <laughs> so much. It's not just about the money, I assure you. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not your company, it's the other companies. Mm. Oh, that makes me we feel just, better. We just, we see, look, we just need to find that first draft of No Guns Life where uh, every instance of Baruin used to say Amazon and then was scratched <laughs> out late <laughs> All they had to do was just switch the M to a W. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> we uh. regret to inform you that Baruin is now owned by the Shinehard Wig Company. <laughs> Shinehard Wig Company. <laughs> oh. So, evil nun, terrible capitalist, endangered children. What do, what do we... Do we have... I assume we have no predictions for these no, performances? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, Alright, then. Yeah, no. No, would you like to start us off? Oh, um, well, we... Well, you might want to tell you tell yeah. us who played the characters. Oh, wait, right. I didn't do that yet, did I? <laughs> Sorry. Karen is played by Emily Neves. Uh, he would know for such roles as Veronica Thorne in Fairy Gone, Aerie in My Hero Academia, and Mihoshi in Nichijou. Uh, Hugh Cunningham is played by Tyler Walker, who you would know for such roles as uh, Tahei Noka in All Out, Baba Kashira in Hinamatsuri, and Kepe in Saramanza. Sarazanmai. Sara, 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 Sarazanmai! You have to Sorry, say it like that. broke out somewhere. <laughs> you have to say it like that. Fair enough. It's just the same way that uh, you can't say Yurikuma Arashi without the long ah in the first word. I see. I should probably watch some of these shows at some point, shouldn't I? Anyways, uh, An is played by Tara Sands, you know, for such roles as Kisuka Yumino in Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, <laughs> she plays Mokuba in Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side Dimensions, which I find very funny for some reason. Uh, and she plays Biscuit Krieger in Hunter x Hunter. Uh, and Ende is played by Skylar McIntosh, uh, you know, for such roles as Naoko... Kamikishiro in Boogie Pop and Others, uh, Izetta in Izetta the Last Witch, and Sayuri Hanayori in Seraph at the End. Uh, Noah, now that, I've, now that I've actually done my job correctly, would you like to 
Start us off. Well, all I can say about Ende is that um, this is the twisted, messed up version of Spider-Woman that nobody asked for. And I'm looking forward to it in the Spider-Verse sequel. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Her her design, Ende's design of like you know basically she's got robotic claw, uh, hands to, and and she can't control them uh, at a certain point. Nope. That that's pretty like that. We see a lot of these cyborgs have like you know enhancements that have limitations to them. They they kind of treat them like quirks in My Hero Academia where no one has complete control over everything. But this one like Ende's is the most terrifying of all the ones that we've seen so far, and that's. Something that w would be absolutely um, less terrifying if the English voice actress didn't nail that uh, kind of broken voice that she has. Uh, luckily, Skylar um, plays into so much of the screaming. She is one heck of a screamer, and that uh, that there's lots of rasp in her freakout screams because she's you know she's crying because she she's waiting for Anne to help her because you know basically taking her hand is the only way to calm her down. And I. Skylar absolutely nails that. That's the. I, I need to look up more of the things she's been in before because this is just really terrifying work. And it, it helps that she starts out with a softer, more subdued voice that kind of masks what it is that she is when we first see her. Um, so it's a good contrast in the way that Skylar makes sure that her, you know, what she actually is is unassuming when we first see her. Actually, that happens for a couple of different characters. Like, Karen is like that, too. We don't know what she is at first. We think, oh, she's, ju she's just a, an, a good civil servant who's trying to rescue a runaway. Uh, and oh, I'm sorry, what is that? You, you're, a, you're a killer assassin in a nun outfit? Oh, you're not so nice after all. But, but Emily sells it uh, at the beginning by being very unassuming. Um, and it's that voice that kind of masks her killer demeanor. And she really does go from, you know, from nice nun character. This is like the second episode in a row that's had a nun character right after Fire Force. I wonder if it's going to be one in the next show. <laughs> no, Japan has a thing for nuns, I guess. But anyways, yeah. It's true, they do. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. No, it is. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, Emily's, um, it, it's... It's probably the most normal uh, Emily voice that I've heard of her, because I'm mostly used to her for her, her wackier uh, comedic voices, like, um, uh, you know, Umaro-chan kind of voice. So to hear her in this more adult and uh, less spastic voice, it's pretty cool. So Karen also does a good job. Um, her uh, Now, Hugh is interesting, because Tyler Walker is a guy who I know mostly as an ADR director, and he's been doing a lot. Like, he's been around for a while. Like, he... You know, he directed Bacchano, he directed, um, I think he directed uh, Desert Punk back in the day, too. So um, t so it's nice to hear him as a voice actor again. I think I've been hearing him a little bit more this year than uh, in past years. So what he does for Hugh is he uses lots of extended syllables to emulate a slimy attitude. Um, and that's perfect for the character design. Um, you can't be a suit-wearing uh, corporate bad guy without having a kind of evil voice to him. And Tyler absolutely nails that. Um, and then to round this out for Anne, uh, who I should have talked about when we talked about Ende, but I didn't because I like to go into weird places. Uh, by contrast to Ende, uh, Tara Sands gives Anne a much sharper, in control, more didactic voice. Um, that, uh, while, while, like, the more serious of the two, like, like, she would obviously be, you know, the more dominant in a relationship, um, she also has to be very, uh, empathetic in her scene where she does not, uh, you know, things don't go her, go well, basically, and she's kind of, like, crying out for help, 
And Tara Sands, uh, like, she uses that sharper voice. Like, it's not so subdued. It's kind of a sharper uh, didactic voice to, um, like, to really play up the, the idea that someone who is this in control can still be scared and worried for what's about to happen, which, if you're seeing what's going on, yeah, it's kind of a scary scene. Evil corporations are not your friend, people. So for all, all the characters who are, are we the baddies? Yes, yes, they are. But uh, it's a good range. Like, no one sounds like each other. And the only fault I can say, and this is a fault of the show. It's not has any fault of the dubbing, is that... Um, the show likes to introduce characters, and once it's in, they're introduced, they're not always utilized again. Even if they don't die and they're still alive, they don't really get utilized all that much. They're kind of just like folded into the main cast. So it's kind of a shame that we will probably not be seeing any of these characters again, and they only got to shine for a couple of episodes. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I can say that Hugh does appear again. I think he is going to be an, an on and off uh, antagonist going forward. Ah, uh, great. The, the best character of this group. I'm so glad Karen, that he's the one who gets to come back. Karen might also show up. Her uh, sister's in it. All right, all right. To be continued. To, um, for, for those watching in the future, um, uh, myself and Roots have only seen up to episode 8. Um, because that's as far as the dub god. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm sure future me is going to listen to this and be like, you moron, she comes back in the next episode. <laughs> there, there, it's okay. God, Noah, you're an idiot. Pe people have had to eat much bigger pieces of crow on this podcast. You're good. <laughs> good point. All right, so um, anyways, Roots, what, what uh, say you to the baddies? Yeah, so um, I guess we'll start with Emily, Emily Neves as Karen. Um, I, I like the, um, I actually kind of like that Emily Neves used a more, it may not be her natural speaking voice, but it sounds like a mm -hmm. more natural speaking voice, uh, compared to like Umaru, which like Noah is where I know her voice acting from. I'm more familiar with her as a scriptwriter or director. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think she does a really good job with Karen. Um, she doesn't really get a lot to do yet. Uh, I think she's only in the first two episodes. And then di disappears until whenever she's needed again. But I like what I heard. So, um, not a lot to the character, but I like the performance. Uh, Tyler Walker's Hugh. Um... Like Noah was saying, I like that he sort of enunciates everything in a kind of greasy and slimy way. Um, I mean, because he's, he's a bastard. He bought up all of Juzo's cigarettes <laughs> in an oh, attempt yeah. to um, get him to bend the knee to him. Which he doesn't. I, I mean, it. yeah, it didn't work, but... I can see why he would think that would have been a good idea. When, when you're a capitalist, every when you're a capitalist with a capitalist hammer, every problem looks like a capitalist nail. <laughs> I mean, re really, I, I was fully expecting like he was one one line of dialogue away from, "I uh, see you. Uh, you like these cigarettes? Would be a shame if something were to happen to him." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um. 
I I did see him because I I caught like five minutes of episode nine. Um, I I do remember seeing him for like a brief moment, so I'm I'm glad he gets to show up more. Cause he he's just this greasy little weasel, like groveling to everyone above the ladder from him, and it's just. That, that's kind of a great antagonist character right there. Like, he's the Tonegawa, I'm guessing, of No Guns Light. Oh, no. well, hold on now. Hold on. Tonegawa. I, I would never call Tonegawa manager. the... He is... No, I, 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 see, I see what Roots means. Okay, all right. Y yes, yes, he is. Like, there, there's clearly some bureaucracy commentary going on here. But don't drag Tonegawa down to... He, he had way too much shit to put up with to be compared to this asshole. He brought them the good beef. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good man. He, oh, was he? boy. He, he did not... Tonegawa did nothing wrong. Let it be said for, this, for the future. Boy, for all Tonegawa, you Tonegawa sure Tonegawa loves did his nothing. new grill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like bringing the good beef gets cancelled out by it being an elaborate mindfuck power play, you know? It's like... He just wanted a good way to play <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. Is there anything wrong with that? But in in any case, um, Tyler Rocker does a great job with Hugh. I, I just love how much he just oozes on the screen. Um, on an Enda, um, gonna talk about them together because, um, yeah, Onda, Onda's the spider one that goes nuts, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, she unfortunately doesn't get a lot of spoken line dialogue in her episodes. It's mainly just screaming out, but overall that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised to see Terra Sands in a Funimation dub. Not a bad kind of surprise, mind you, because I like her work, but, like, it, it's really interesting that she's here to do this, um, to do this character in, um, like, it looks like it's poised to be one of Funimation's bigger shows, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's gonna quite hit that level. Just because of, you know, big jargon marketing stuff. But, yeah. Uh, she like, does a really great job with on. I, um... She's trying to be Enda's pillar of support. And she is rapidly crumbling when she begins to realize that, oh, we've been played. Mm-hmm. Um, but is also instrumental in uh, pulling Enda back from the brink and... Like, that that was one of my favorite story arcs of the episodes we've watched so far. So, thumbs up all around. Yeah. Uh, where to start? Uh, I also liked Emily Neves' Karen a lot. I thought she was a lot of fun. Uh, I also hope she comes back. Um, as far as I can tell, she's not dead. And I feel like this is a, this mm -hmm. is a show that's not super interested in just kind of discarding all of its characters after one use at least in the long run so i hope she comes back and i and i i do hope so because i thought she was a lot of fun as a character she was very like 
energetic and, and fun, and, and I thought just really played this character really well. I mean, let's be um, real. Kidnapping kids is a total mm-hmm. Karen move. Oh! <laughs> oh! Wow! Do you hear that? Do, do you hear that, Roots? You hear that? That's the sound of a million angry women requesting to speak to your manager. <laughs> Joke's on them. He is the manager. <laughs> oh. So I'm at least a lot of fun. Um, I, I also I want to sing Tyler's praises playing Hugh. Uh, he is so good at playing this. Just a real slime bucket. Also, as it, it occurred to me while we were discussing this, he definitely has Richard Spence's haircut, so that feels appropriate. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, he does. It's the, it's that fucking alt-right undercut bullshit. It's like, that's that's what he has. Yeah, that, that's another thing, too, is that, like, I was trying to differentiate between, like, what part of the show is commentative on, like, Japanese capitalism, and what part's, like, it's supposed to be an overt American, or at least Western, uh, reference. That's one where I feel like, like, especially with the name, like, this is supposed to be a little more overtly Western-based bad guy. A little bit. I, I mean, I feel, I feel like there's jargon to be made that the difference between Western and Japanese capitalism is minor to a certain extent. But what yeah, kind no, of money he, you're spending, more or less. Exactly. Yeah, there, there's, well, yeah, I mean, you could you can look into some, any kind of a bad guy in an anime and, like, if they got blonde hair and they're overweight, then it's usually more on the American side. Probably an American, yeah. I mean, th- there's a show that nobody watched uh, last year called Derrida that had a very overtly... I watched that! Like I said, only the cool people watched Derrida last year. <laughs> and there was a bad guy who was also like this. He was kind of like a, you know, a slimy, blonde-haired, overweight business guy, like... Or, or for something even more modern, uh, everybody watched the Green Eggs and Ham show on Netflix. That also had a bad guy who was overtly overweight business, no hair, blonde kind of individual. It's a, it's a oh, thing. Oh no, though. it's all it's all just Donald Trump. God damn it! This entire yeah, you thought we left him behind back in Home Alone too? Ha ha ha! Suckers, he came back. <laughs> Timely reference. Um. I was saying, yes, he's he. Tyler's really good at playing this. He, he plays he plays Hugh as just a real slime ball, and I think he really excels at that. I, I enjoyed him a lot, um, and I I I, I thought Taryn uh, Taryn Skyler uh, in playing Anne and Enday just had a, like I, I agree with Roots. Like I thought I liked their story arc. It was well done. It was sad because this is this is a noir story. <laughs> a lot of times, the people you want to win in the noir stories aren't the people who win in the noir stories. <laughs> Um, uh, but I thought they both played their they, they played their parts really well, and I liked that they were able to, you know, ha- have the, have this have these characters have this arc during the episodes that they're in. It was it was really well done. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> now, shall we shall we go on to our next set of <coughs> characters? Yes. So so shining and bright. So, uh, we have we have up next we have a pair of uh, very notable cyborgs who have. Uh, they're a they're a they're a they're a they're a land of contrasts. Let's say to quote uh, every uh, English essay you've ever bullshitted in your life. <laughs> <laughs> what is pretentious? Well, according to the dictionary, pretension is <laughs> the concept of stretching out a goddamn essay that I only wrote the night before to a complete twelve pages, double sided with twelve point font. It's true. 
so uh, we have we have a we have a big we have a big baddie and a big goodie, or so it seems. Mm. Uh, first up, we have Hayden Gondry. Uh, he is the he, he is he is very famous in the world of no guns life because uh, he is the first extended to ever go on a mass murdering rampage uh, during an event known as uh, what is it called? Um, I didn't write it down. It's a big event, and he killed lots and lots of people, and he's been in jail ever since. He is he is extended criminal number one. He is like zero 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 one. Yes, and he writes E three zero 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 one on all of his victims. Because that's that's his uh, that's like his um, that's his cell number. No, it's a cell yeah, number. Uh, yeah. No, 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 not his um, cell number. <laughs> also, not his cell number. Like everyone to know that he attended the first ever E three. Yeah. Yes. For a, for a, for a good time call. <laughs> <laughs> and by good time we mean he'll um, turn you into paste. So be careful who you're calling. Um, he is bad news, and he recently broke out of jail because uh, he 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 was part of a uh, he's part of a military group who were among the first people to be turned into extendeds during the war. Uh, he appears to be killing off all of his, uh, all the guys from his particular unit. The last of whom is, of course, Mega Armed Toki Sada, the golden hero of the extended. The most famous extended in the world. The noble hero of the war. Everybody likes Mega Armed Toki Sada. <laughs> and he is such a nice man who has clearly never been up to anything suspicious <laughs> in his entire life. He stops to sign autographs for little children. He can't possibly be evil. He can't. How can he be? He is totally not a milkshake doc. Nope. Nope. Never. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> never. I feel like that uh, that reference is gonna need a citation. <laughs> uh, do we have predictions for these characters or no? Mm -mm. I do not. Nope. All right. Uh, in that case, uh, Mega. Uh, let's see. Gondry is being played by John Swayze. Who you would know for uh, such characters as uh, he plays Daisuke Aramaki in Ghost in the Shell Arise. Uh, he plays Sir Crocodile in One Piece. And, make a note of this, he plays All for One in My Hero Academia. Tokisada, on the other hand, is played by Christopher Sabat. Who you know for such roles Son as a, a... <laughs> Yusuke Saito in Darker Than Black, hmm. Armstrong in Full Metal Alchemist, and... All Might in My Hero Academia. Son of a bitch. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I didn't you see that until now. Son of a bitch. Did anyone ever notice that All for One and One for All are never in the room at the same time? <laughs> let it not. Let it be said that the casting in this show is very good. Uh, so with that in mind... Who would, who would like to start off? Uh, this is another instance of um, I, I wish that the show didn't discard its uh, its characters so soon after introducing them because uh, uh, not to spoil anything. Oh, what the hell! Uh, John Swayze's <laughs> probably not gonna get better. Mm -mm. <laughs> so he does, uh, I mean, yep. <clears throat> for uh, for the uh, I do like this plot device, uh, not this plot device, but this arc, uh, this idea that. Um, cybernetic enhancements were a military, uh, were, were used by the military uh, against people, and you know they did their job well. But I, I get the idea that um, if I'm reading the show correctly, that once they had done their job, that they were not uh, properly compensated for basically giving up their humanity. I think there's a line 
that uh, in Clayton's script about how they basically, they not only gave up their bodies, they gave up their dignity as well. So John's uh, kind of encompassing that, uh, that you know, lost soul gone manic because of what he's become. Uh, really good uh, kind of... Uh, kind of archetypal um i'm not really sure uh if uh he was uh going as crazy as i would have liked like i i mean just really really over the top in terms of being uh, a completely broken individual but uh for for what it was for again for a character who dies not long after being introduced uh it's pretty good on john and then for chris <laughs> it's very difficult to listen to uh to tokusada without thinking about all might because it, it, you know, it, it's perpetual smile on his face, uh, gold theme, and uh, and then we find out uh, no, actually he is not so good after all. Um, but he he puts up a pretty good fight, and uh, it does that thing in anime where uh, you know he he pulls out like his finishing blow, and then he starts laughing evilly about how oh, uh, Jiro Juzo, if only you hadn't wasted your energy fighting me, you could have lived. And then, of course, Juzo is actually okay. And then he beats uh, Tokusada. Uh, so, yeah, for these bit characters that delve into the, the very real-world problem of the military taking away your humanity, um, good job on them. Good good use of your Chris and your John. Indeed. Uh, Roots? Yeah. Um, I, I really don't have much to say because... Um, this is one of the more sizable arcs, but um, Gondry doesn't really get much to do in it. What are you talking? He, he impersonates um, a little girl. Yeah, I mean, there, there's that. But otherwise, um, I don't remember him getting very many speaking lines until toward the end of the arc. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But um, I, I do like where um, John Swayze went with it. Uh, it definitely does have a very sizable air of menace. And um, yeah, he is, he is definitely a scary antagonist. And I would not want to run into him in a dark alley. Because the two-head thing, kind of creepy. Joke. <laughs> Joke's on you. In this city, there are only dark alleys. Uh-oh. Oh, no. You know, it's like that one U2 song, you know, like, In this town where the streets have no lights. Um, so, Tokusada. Kind of a funny story as we were, um, discussing episode 6 in the chat as it was airing. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris Abbott was not initially announced as the mm -hmm. character. And, mm -hmm. um... I could have sworn it sounded like Jameson Price in that first episode. Hmm. Um, maybe it's the uh, the filters that were applied. Maybe it was, you know, just Chris Sabat playing a very charismatic character, which is something he gets to do more often than we give him credit for, but um, I, I've never heard him in a thing like this before. So, kudos for making me initially say when the casting announcement came out, you know, bullshit, that's Chris Sabat. Mm -hmm. Surprise. 
fooled you. But I will say, as um, episodes 7 and 8 rolled around, I actually started to hear it, and um, yeah, he did a really great job with it. He, like, Tokisada has to have a lot of, um, a lot of chutzpah and a lot of charisma. And, uh, Sabbath gives him that in spades, so... Mm-hmm. Thumbs up for these, um... Late arc ag- So thumbs up for these late arc antagonists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree, um... I think, as, as, as Roots pointed out, uh, John doesn't get to do too much as Gondry. Gondry spends a lot of his arc either not saying anything or being disguised as somebody else. Um, but I did, I did like his performance when it came up. I... This, this might sound weird, but I did like the part towards the end where he like wakes up briefly, clearly not knowing what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and I thought I thought John Slazy did a good job of sounding like the same menacing character, but now it's like he's he's the one who's like confused and kind of at the mercy of everyone else. Uh, for as brief as that little section was, yeah. Um, and also, like I I I really like I, look. I can't I can't talk any shit about this casting joke. This is this is very spot on. <laughs> Especially because I, I have a feel, I, I, part of me thinks that when Chris Evett got cast and he was in the recording booth and he's like, Kyle, what's what's this character's deal? And he's like, imagine if All Might had the same public persona, but he was just a rotten human being on the inside and just didn't let anyone know about it. You know, I can't be the only one who, who was watching, like, at least through episode, season three of My Hero Academia and fully expected him to become that person because you just can't <laughs> believe that anyone could be as good as he is. He's just a good and, boy. And, 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 he is. You're it, right. All Might's such a good boy. That's that's in 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 my hero world. All Might gets to be the Superman, the guy who just is never. He's he's always going to be the good. He's going to be the good one who's never going to give up until he just can't do it anymore. But this is the world where that character doesn't <laughs> exist, right? And it turns out that Superman is a shitbag. <laughs> Tokusada. It's, it's a noir story. Superman doesn't live in noir world. That's Batman's territory. <laughs> Tokusada doesn't kill people. <laughs> oh wait, he totally does. Uh, yeah, he, do- he definitely does. That would be interesting. I- I'd love to s- t- t- tangent, but I'd love to see like, uh-huh. you know, a Batman universe, but Superman is the star, and then a Superman universe, but Batman has to be the star, and like like how they would adapt to taking the place of each other's respective roles. Like, you know, Bruce Wayne has to go to the Daily Planet and, you know, has to deal with the asshole boss who wants him to write a story. And then he has to save the day against Emperor Zod every day. But he can't be brooding about it. I feel like there's probably an Elseworlds that covers something like that somewhere. Yeah, you're probably. right, there probably is. <laughs> that feels like the most basic of DC Elseworld plots. Like I'm sure there's 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 definitely an imaginary story where like Superman's pod lands lands outside of Gotham <laughs> and he gets adopted by the Waynes or something like that 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 has to exist. There's no way that can't. I have a hard time believing the, that the Waynes would be generous enough to adopt a stranger. They're nice people. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're like they're like the only nice people in all of in all of uh, fiction. You know, the only nice rich people. Uh, hmm. it's Nevin, Nevin, maybe Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> kind of depends on if you've, you're talking about the cartoon or you're talking the um, uh, the comics, the the Carl Banks uh, comics. Whichever one validates my point. <laughs> All right, cartoon it is then. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck can uh, be a dick, but anyways. 
Um, but I, 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 I think Chris, Chris plays this very well. I, he, as I'm sure playing, what, four seasons of My Hero at this point has left him with a, he, he can do that, <laughs> he can do the noble voice really well. And it is, there's something fun, there's something kind of, there's a warped fun to him using that tone of voice in the name of like, well, you found out the thing you shouldn't have found out. I'm gonna have to kill you now. Mm. It's nothing personal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm set, we're not, I, as far as I could tell, we were not gonna see this character anymore. He, um, he did, uh, <laughs> but you know, I liked him while he was on screen. It was a lot of fun. Do you think they Who kept knows? his statue? The as far as the, the there is there like I'll I'll spoil a little because they they reveal this in episode nine. None of this is getting public. Oh, he's, oh, he's still the shining hero in the eyes of the peoples. Oh, so he's the Harvey Dent of this universe. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, all right. So, with that, uh, we shall continue on to our. Next set of characters, uh, we have some, we have good guys again. Yay! They're pretty good. Da, 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 one, da, of the, one of them, one of them, one of them, one of them's a little bit of a jerk, but he's a good dude in the end. He is. He's a good boy. Uh, he's a good boy. He's doing, he's doing He's a good body-stealing boy. Oh, that's not yet. Oh. Alright, uh, to start us off, we have Joylin Cujo. I mean, Olivia Vanderburn. <laughs> Oh my god, you're right. Look, this... Is that a JoJo's reference? You know what? That is 100% a JoJo's <laughs> reference, because she... She is... She... This is interesting. This is interesting. I, I make no claims to be an expert, but outside of, like, you know, deliberate fan art, this is maybe the first time I've ever seen a character outside of a JoJo's manga who actually looked like they're, like, a direct Araki reference visually mm -hmm. like this. Um, Araki, JoJo's is a big influence, but it has very little in the way of direct knockoffs, because it's... no one's, no one's Araki. Only Araki is Araki. Mm. Um, That's not true. She, she I, I, I've heard some music bands stole their, uh, stole references from that show. And then they went back in time to, uh, before the manga actually existed. You're funny. I like you, now. <laughs> um... But yeah, so, uh, Olivia Vanderburn, who 100% looks like a JoJo's character for whatever reason... Uh, she is... Hold on. Sorry, I was, so, I was so focused on making my stupid joke. <laughs> give me a second. Which is funny. It, it was more important. Like, it's funny that she were, she looks like a JoJo's character because the character designer for No Gun's Life is uh, Masanori Shino. And um, mm -hmm. he did not do any character designs for JoJo's, but... Um, he did do Terra for Mars, apparently, which is the other oh. thing that Warner Brothers was trying to make a big thing, and it didn't end up being a big thing at all. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, so we have uh, we have Olivia, who is the head of the Reconstruction Agency, which is basically an agency that uh, deals with extended and extended problems and usually tries to police them to a certain extent to make sure they don't, like, act, you know, flip out and murder all the normal people, because that's what happens in this world. Uh, and we have, uh, one of her underlings, uh, Cronin Von Wolf. Best uh, name ever. It's a great name, who's just this angry, angry skinny guy who fights with needles and drives a very nice <laughs> car, and he will kill you if you scratch the paint. As you sh as he should. 
That's look at that's it's a, it's a nice car. No one appreciates vintage cars in this universe. Like that is something to be admired. It's I hundred percent bet you most of the vintage cars were sold for scrap at some point during the war, and there's like very few of them left. Yes. So so if you if you can get your hands on one, you're probably gonna like it. Um, but he's a he's a he's a mean man, but he gets the job done. So we 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 enjoy him at the very least. Um, I'm assuming no predictions for these two. No, unfortunately. All right. Uh, excuse me. All right. In that case, uh, Olivia is played by Marissa Lenti. Uh, he would know for such roles as uh, Madoka in Chio's School Road, Sumire Unikai in Real Life, uh, and uh, she plays uh, Sayako Nogami in City Hunter Shinjuku Private Eyes. Where you can hear in that whenever that gets a home video release somewhere, because uh, it's not readily available as far as I know right now. <laughs> uh, and Cronin is played by John Bergmeier, who you know for playing at Seichi Kirima and Boogie Pop and others, Shigeru Soma and Fruits Basket, and, of course, he's Kurama in Yu Yu Hakusho. That's the important one. Look, I, ha I have multiple friends who had a big old crush on Kurama when they were young, and there's no question in my mind <laughs> that John is a big reason why. Who didn't? Everybody seen who was into anime in the early to mid-2000s has a friend who, <laughs> I love how you dodged. Not me. had a crush on Yoko Kurama, <laughs> particularly the Yoko Kurama form. Yeah, that's that's the key thing. <laughs> was it the whip guy or the white-haired demon guy? Those are there's a big difference. It could be both. <laughs> I don't... Get yourself a man who can do both, man. <laughs> <laughs> I still have to. So, besides, besides uh, John, John Bergmeier just very confusedly stating nerd violence is one of the best deliveries in the history of voice acting. So, <laughs> great choice. Anyways. What did we think of these performances, gentlemen? Um, well, I, I thought that um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures is getting way too pervasive in the anime culture. <laughs> I really should watch it at some point. Because, yeah, having seen nothing but the first episode of the very first season, and still being able to pick up that the full-lipped uh, woman was a very, very overt JoJo's references very indicative of how pervasive that is in society or at least in the anime mm. society i don't think your average person would re uh, would recognize it but in the show we recognized it and marissa's performance is i i really wanted to judge her role judge her voice acting objectively but when you introduce a character with the camera solely on her cleavage and saxophone playing in the background it's entirely going to paint the image that this is supposed to be a sultry character. It doesn't matter if, if she has like a nasally high-pitched voice or if you know she sounds like Don Cheadle. It doesn't matter. If that's how you introduce your character, that's how I'm going to view them. I don't know why I picked Don Cheadle. That's just the first name that came to mind. You made me laugh. <laughs> but to give uh, Marissa full credit, because yeah, she absolutely does, um, this uh, she gives Olivier... Uh, a very she gives her a sultrier voice. Uh, she's got long syllables and more breadth in the sounds to kind of elicit an older woman voice, uh, which is a good contrast to characters like Scarlet or uh, Mary, who we'll talk about in a bit. And she has a lot of exposition. There's a lot of just 
uh, talking about like what her position is or uh, how she's supposed to take Juzo into custody or uh, this is the favor that I want you to do Juzo I want you to hunt these guys down for me because you know you know they escaped and in all of her talking Marissa goes through all of the highs and lows of the emotions of this character who is obviously supposed to be like a girl boss character um, which is difficult to take seriously when if you don't believe that she's in charge and I do buy from Marissa's performance that Olivier uh, knows how to get this job done, knows a lot about the the extended. I almost said the expendables, but that's a completely different movie. Knows about the extended <laughs> and is very uh, capable of leading them. Even though they try to fire her at one point in the show, that, it, she, that doesn't go well because, you know, she knows how to do her job well. So, yeah, Marissa, uh, good job on this one. This, again, ties into that you have to have palatable character voices to go with this alien world, and Marissa does that really well. John Bergmeier's um, a, a little more conventional um, because he doesn't have as much exposition uh, in terms of dialogue up to episode 8 so far. Uh, but he's got a cool voice effect to him. Um, it's not like they uh, mechanically or digitally altered his voice, but he's got a bit of a rasp when he's speaking. It's not just John in the recording studio and just talking like he would at you know the Burger King drive-thru. He sounds like he's very clearly put on an intentional bit of a rasp and almost like he's kind of short of breath when he's speaking. Um, I think the idea is to kind of elicit the idea that he's a bit of an older individual and that uh, he's you know he's experienced in his pin bending, whatever you want to call it, where you ba basically can deactivate people with little pins. Um, what's that thing called? Um, acupuncture. That's it. He's the acupuncture bender of the show. Um, but I do like that little uh, that little vocal quirk that he gives uh, th that he gives Cronin. Cronin von Wolf, uh, which is my Ramen Sign cover band. So I, I, li I like what he does with it, and um, I he has not died yet, so I hope we'll see more of him in the future. <laughs> Oh, give it, give it, give it time, Noah. <laughs> Don't say that. <sighs> All right, uh, Roots. Yeah, so um, I'll start with Marissa Lenny as well. Um, largely because I agree with Noah on just about all the points he made. Um, I do want to add sort of an addendum that there is one particular scene I very much enjoyed, and that came out of episode eight, where she is absolutely grilling Tokisada about what happened to her father. Mm. Um, during the aforementioned incident where Gondry went nuts and killed everybody, but he didn't. Uh, he was just kind of scapegoated. Yeah, I I like that uh, Marissa Lenny played her with kind of a smoky, sultry voice. Uh, it fit the character design very well, and um, all around a good performance. Uh, John Bergmeier as Cronin von Wolf. Uh, also largely agree with Noah on his points. Um, he too gives um, Cronin a sort of sort of a smoky, huskier voice than I'm used to hearing come out of him. Which was an absolute delight. And the, um, the story arc of Gondry and Tokusada, another high point for this character as well. Because he um, not only actually gets to do stuff that actually has like plot relevance but he um like it exposes his sort of the character's flaws i guess in a way um he's very nose to the grindstone everything to the book 
And that sort of gets played against him when he has to fight against these two extended. So, kudos to the both of them. They gave really solid performances. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I have an agreement. Um, I like Marissa a lot in this role. Uh, Olivia is not quite the... In terms of her role in the story, she's not she is not quite a femme fatale, but that feels like that's definitely the noir character type her character is drawing on. Mm -hmm. It's certainly in terms of like visual design, a little bit in personality. Uh, and I like that Marissa is able to have that aspect of the character, but also have it make sense for what she actually is in the world, where she's like this authority figure who's you know, she you know, she you know, she she needs to get Junzo to do things, but she is empathetic to what he's going through and what his needs are and so on. Um, I also really like the sort of the segment in episode eight where she's like uh, grilling um, uh, Tokisada and what's happening and that whole bit where she like breathes the smoke into Jinzo's mouth so he can uh, get his shit going again. Uh, I also, also because I am I'm stupid. I also find it very amusing that she apparently like smells really stinky cat food as sort of a relaxant. Oh yeah, which is just yeah. a weird, just a nice weird touch, I guess. It's like. All right, sure. And I think Marissa sells that really well as, like, she's doing this voluntarily <laughs> and it's not pleasant, maybe, but she's going to keep doing it. It, it is. I, I don't know what the equivalent would be, like, if that was supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, cocaine reference, but they, like, PG'd it up for TV broadcast. Well, they, they, they establish, I think, that the the can, is, this, this can was originally, I think, like, uh, something, a gift her father was going to bring back when he came back from the when he was supposed to come back from investigating this outpost that ended up being where the massacre he died in happened. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I think it's partially sentimental and also partially just like, here's a weird gag. <laughs> because it's a weird show. I don't... I, I guess you could probably read it as like, this is what she does instead of like, drink too much. That's her version of a flask. Yeah, see, that that's what I thought at first was this idea that, you know, we can't have um, we can't have the really hard stuff from Noir. We, we can't have, um, you know, heavy drinking. We can't have heavy drug use. Um, but, but we can have sniffing cat food and uh, surgical implants with machinery. That's true. And smoking. Lots of smoking. So much smoking. But, but we approve of that in Japan. <laughs> I mean, they do still have smoking sections in restaurants. You're not wrong. But they do. Um, not also. And I, I liked her performance a lot. I thought she was a lot of fun. Uh, and I always love it when John Bergmeier shows up in something. He's probably one of my favorite actors at Funimation, and he's not in nearly enough because he spends way too much time being the lead writer on things, which is not a complaint. You're also a wonderful writer, John. Just I, you're such a wonderful actor. <laughs> so nice to hear <laughs> you in things. Um, and I like him a lot in this. I feel like he he very much nails what feels like like Cronin is very like. Not quite saw, but he's clearly like he seems very refined. He's dressed very well, um, but he's still he's still kind of a hard ass, and and clearly is very much like no no we do things by the book. We don't futz around. Not like not like you, Mister Gunhead PI man. We're not like you. <laughs> uh, we we follow, we 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 have rules we have to follow. Um, and I think he, he 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 sells that well in his performance. But you know he sounds very very dignified but he has that rasp in his voice that i think stops him from feeling too much kind of like you know a, the, he's not a state aristocrat he's someone who does get his hands dirty in the line of duty good point um yeah no, I, I enjoyed his performance a lot i thought he was very good here uh, and unless we have any other thoughts onto our our next section yeah 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 we're getting into the main main characters now the people who show up in almost every episode <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, you can tell they're the lead characters because they show up at the beginning of the intro. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have our main main characters, the people who this uh, this whole shebang is about, because you need me. You need you need main characters in a story. You can try and get around it, uh, but then you just end up with a lot of weird art cinema that may or may not be unwatchable. <laughs> this is not the red balloon. No. That, that'd be that'd be a, that'd be a twist. <laughs> Step two episodes are just a remake of the Red Balloon in the No Guns Life universe. <laughs> Except it's a blimp. <laughs> the Red Blimp. The Red Blimp Part One and the Red Blimp Part Two. Uh, so, uh, for our for our main characters, uh, we have three of them. Uh, we have Mary Steinberg, uh, who's an engineer. She uh, she does maintenance on extended. She spends a lot of time kind of working in you know dumpy neighborhoods helping out people who can't really afford you know the proper equipment because it's way out of their price range uh, she's a friend of Juzo's. she uh she works on his stuff too occasionally uh she's a nice lady even if she sometimes doesn't have a lot of patience for other people uh we have we also have tetsuro uh arahabaki uh who's the, who starts all this trouble uh he is in <laughs> Uh, let me see. He is, in fact, the son of the CEO of the Brewing Corporation, uh, but for whatever reason, he was made new guinea pig for extended experiments. Because Corporations uh, even... are not your friend! Ex you, can, you, you can literally be blood relative of the most powerful person in the whole thing. That will not save you. They will eat you alive still. That is true. Have... Uh, yeah. Consequently, he, yeah, he, had a, he, had a bunch of, he had a bunch of his uh, stuff replaced with uh, extended parts. Uh, most notably, he had a thing called Harmony installed in him. Uh, which is basically a thing that uh, exists for his vocal cords should be that allows him to take control of other extended. Uh, which is part of the reason why the Baruin Corporation wants him back, because they don't want him running around getting up to God knows what off their, uh, not on their watch. I mean, he's a teenager. What do you expect him to do? <laughs> hey guys, I got a, got a great idea. Let's take all this multi-million dollar equipment and put it in the body of a hormonal teenage boy. Nothing will go wrong at all. Nope, 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 nope. Definitely not. Meanwhile, uh, he's so basically... hypering like muscle cars. And... <laughs> yep. Yeah. So he, he eventually escapes by uh, hijacking another robot's body and just carrying his unconscious self it's out. It's so cool. <laughs> it's great. I do have to confess. When we were putting together the cast list here, I thought Mega Arm Tokusoda was the cyborg character from the first episode. That's understandable. I, the 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 there's there's a lot of robots in this. That's true. Some of them are easier to keep track of others. Not all of them have a gun for a head to make them really recognizable. <laughs> um, and and rounding out our main crew, we of course have Juzo Inui. Uh, he is an extended. He has a gun for a head. He has absolutely no memory of how he ended up like this. Uh, so he does PI work in the city these days, and wears tight pants. And, and uh, smokes. He'll, he'll, he'll help. And smoke. And he smokes a lot because it's the only thing that stops him from going. Just. I realize Ju Juzo's not nice, but he does it right. What's that mean? You know, aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you just want to go ape shit? Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't give him the smokes, that is exactly what he's going to do. Uh, but for now, he helps the downtrodden if they have the cash for it, or if he feels like doing it sometimes. Um. So did we did we have predictions for these three? Um, Gentlemen. I just had one for uh, Juzo. Mm hmm. And um, I 
basically went for the most boilerplate actor I could find who could do the sort of deepish voice because I if I recall correctly the guy who plays Juzo in the Japanese is the same guy who plays Dio mm -hmm. oh no uh, no, I actually didn't go there. I oh. I went for an even deeper dive. Oh. Uh-huh. I went into my old, old, old prediction lists. Uh-huh. And I pulled up a list of actors who I thought would be in the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure dub if Funimation had dubbed mm -hmm. it. Because this is 2014. Oh, wow. That and, was a possibility, um, yeah. Yeah, and it was right after Crunchyroll had announced they got JoJo. So I figured, you know what, this might be one of those big things that Funimation and Crunchyroll shared. Didn't end up happening, but at least that prediction list helped me put Brandon Potter as the voice of Juzo Inui. Oh. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Now he does have that, that tough but uh, nice underbelly voice to him. So I could, mm -hmm. I could definitely, I could picture Karima, is it Kar the guy, the the guy from School Rumble, uh, playing Juzo. My, yeah. My prediction. Oh yeah, sorry. My prediction for Juzo was Clint Eastwood. <laughs> was that too obvious? <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Mr. Eastwood. Yes, Did this I fire is, uh, six shots out of my head or only five? Let me ask you. Do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> so, uh, hi, Mr. Uh, Eastwood. This is, uh, this is a small uh, dubbing studio in Texas. Uh, dubbing. Uh, Japanese cartoons. Yes, uh, and we make cartoon cartoons. Yes, cartoons. And we were wondering, um, we know that you're a big uh, multi-million dollar director, producer, actor, but would you be willing to voice uh, this weird uh, gun-headed character for our show? Sir, We can't sir? pay you very much. Sir? <laughs> hey, Hello? Oh, damn it. I guess we gotta go. We gotta go to our plan B. All right. Who's got Steven Seagal's number? <laughs> oh! Oh! Yes, we are that desperate. That's a deep cut. Ooh! Yow! I have nothing against I the thought, man. I've only seen one movie he's in. He's alright. I, I, th I thought we wanted this to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well. Speak, uh, did, did we get good actors for this? I think so. But um, what, my, I have, I also. Yeah, do, you, oh. do you have another prediction or just Clint Eastwood? No, no, I, I have no prediction. Don't put an image All on right. the screen. I won't. Um, I, I actually, I had, I had predictions for all three of these characters. Uh, for Tetsuro, I thought Maxie Whitehead would be fun here. Mm. Uh, as I like, I like Maxie, and also. As we noted, this show takes a certain, uh, yeah. takes a little bit of an influence from Fullmetal Alchemist. We have, uh, we have, um, Juzo's chibi face. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have the fact that the, the mangaka has clearly taken to heart that, uh, advice that, uh, the author of Fullmetal Alchemist once made, which is that men should be buff, women should be vavum. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I thought that would work. Uh, turn on. I need my notes. How can I read off my notes that I don't remember because I made them like two months ago? Let, let this be a note to all you people. Print out or write out your predictions ahead of time. It's true. Uh, for Mary, I thought Colleen Klink and Beard would be fun here. 
Mm-hmm. And for for Juzo, I had a I had a colossal long shot and I had a likely one. The colossal long shot was uh, earlier this year. I watched Boogie Pop and others, uh, which had one episode that had J. Michael Tatum playing a fun PI character, and it led me to want him to see him play a PI in something else. Uh, however, I think the odds of him playing Juzo seem pretty unlikely because uh, he doesn't quite have that quality to play a character who's literally a gun. Uh, so I thought a more likely answer would probably be Ian Sinclair, who I thought could probably play a character who is literally a gun <laughs> a little better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I was not correct on any of these. And for good reason. Uh, and for good reason. We'll uh, for Indeed. Uh, for Mary Steinberg, we have Kylie Stewart, uh, who doesn't have a lot of credits to her name. As far as name rules go, she played uh, Mitsuki Ichijo in You Know. Uh, she played Momo in Demon Lord Retry. And according to ANN, she has played a lot of unnamed background characters in Fruits Basket 2019. Just a <laughs> lot of unnamed background characters. But that, uh, but uh, however, going on that, uh, Tetsuro is being played by Caleb Yen, who also, according to ANN, ha- he is he is very new. He has played some unnamed roles in Black Clover and Stars Align, oh. uh, and he has also played uh, Male Townsperson 13C in Fairy Gone. <laughs> Which, according to ANN, is the only named role he has outside of Tetsuro. So I hear they're making he's... a Funko Pop for that character. <laughs> I know. It's, 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 I'm really proud I'm of him. For it's, the it's Nendoroid, step, you know? if we're being honest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we all are, but you know, you know, you take what you, you can get. They never make. It, it, I know you. You never get the Nendoroids, the ones you want, right? right. It, or you do, but like it's, it's, you can't afford it, and you miss the pre-order window. <laughs> you, it sounds a little uh, too honest. Do you speak from experience, Amon? No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and for uh, Juzo, uh, he's being played by Chris Ryan, who you know for such roles as uh, Totemi in Assassination Classroom, Kubard in Heroic Legend of Arsland, and uh, Okurikara in Tokenrambu Hanamaru. Uh, so, gentlemen, what did we, what did we think of our leads in this show? No, if you'd like to start us off. I would like to start out by talking about Caleb's performance as Tetsuro because, uh, and uh, you mentioned at the beginning, Roots, how the sound mixing for the show is very good, which it is. And this is a, a character who could have been the most botched in terms of execution because uh, Tetsuro never speaks out of his own mouth. Uh, the way that his harmony power works, he has to uh, have a receptor, like either a radio or another robot with vocal uh with vocal capabilities so every time that caleb speaks they use a slight echo effect to you know to amplify that voice box aspect of it and it sounds really good it's a very it's not distracting it's not microsoft sam uh, monotone speaking kind of voice uh, but it does uh, plant us very firmly in the the uh, robotic world that we live in so i i, I want to give full props to the voice acting uh, department on that because they they did a good job and there's no way that you know, like, um, the average person is going to go out of the way to say, yeah, I like the audio engineering work. No, you audio engineers, good job, guys. Excellent work. As for Caleb's actual acting, um, it's, it's pretty good. It, it's a, a younger teen voice that's kind of on the cusp of finishing puberty. Like, I, I get the feeling that it, it sounds very much like someone who is has not quite finished going through puberty just yet. And that plays up to his uh, personality because... He's a very underdeveloped individual. Uh, Tetsuro has this 
power that he can't quite control yet, and he doesn't know how to use it well either, and I mean that in more of like a moral sense. You don't hijack your best friend's body to escape from them. Uh, there's, uh, you, I'm sure you could, and sure you, you could do a lot of stuff for the better because you, you're anti-children being used as robot experiments, but you gotta be smarter about it. In, in the words of Scrooge McDuck, work smarter, not harder, kid. Uh, so I really like Caleb's, um, I really like his, um, you know, uh, more sensitive uh, voice. And uh, I also like that he can be shrill as well. There's bits where he's very um, taken aback by what's going on. And he handles all of those ranges very well. Uh, I don't really have a qualm with anything. Uh, so I do hope that we hear Caleb in more stuff outside of just the um, the background characters and Walla coming up in the future. Because he, he handles this very well. Same thing uh, with Kylie in that I have not heard her in very much and by very much I mean nothing before and and Mary was uh, like it could have been um, handled the same way that uh, you know Caitlin handled her character in Full Metal Alchemist it could have been that same um, nice uh, girl next door voice to her um, but Kylie gives her um, a lot of warmth definitely but she's also like really tough and straight to the point when she's speaking um, this is the kind of person that um, you think knows how to handle uh, robotics very well, which she does. And yeah, she takes no shit from anyone, especially when uh, the dad went to a back alley operation. Don't do not do that. If you're going to get your daughter the, the cybernetic implants, just go for the, the insured stuff, please. Please. Many, many families have been broken apart by back alley operations for robot parts in the past. Please don't be one of the statistics. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, Mary is a, a fun character that I'm glad uh, keeps sticking around. And I do like the fact that she's not a snarker. Like, she's not really making quips all the time uh, and, like, trying to bring people down a peg. She's very just straight and to the point and points out when people do things wrong, but in a way that shows that she wants them to do the right thing. And it, it acts as a good contrast to both uh, Juzo's toughness and Tetsuro's absolute teenage idiocy. So, yeah, Mary is a very good character, and I want to hear more of Kylie in future stuff, because uh, I like how she handled this. So Chris Ryan, um, uh, he, he sounds like he's got, uh, you know, he's got some gravel in the back of the voice, but uh, it's otherwise a straight, it's a soft voice. It's because uh, he, he never gets uh, overly angry in the show. He never, uh, you know, he, he's not so... Um, uh, three o'clock in the morning, super tough like this, I want to burn the world down kind of voice. It's a terrible impression, I apologize, but there's a lot of, like, there's a natural gravel to it. It's like he doesn't, he can't speak in any other way. And they don't give him a voice effect. Uh, they don't give him uh, some kind of, I don't know how you would make a gun talk, but they don't make, they don't try to give him a gun voice effect, whatever that would even sound like. He sounds like a, a relatively normal dude with just a very interesting character design. It's like, you know, it's like you, you've seen Batman Beyond before. You've seen that episode uh, called Splicers where uh, characters were getting animal implants and becoming animal-human hybrids. And it was just treated like tattoos, basically. It's like that. You know, he, it's just a tattoo that he got, except he can fire a gun. And he's a gun now. And he's a cool character. Someone take the microphone from me. Okay. Um, yeah, so... I think the big thing that we need to note here is that... Um, two of the actors we're talking about now... 
um, as I hinted at when we were talking about the director and scriptwriters, um, is brand new for the most part. Um, like, Walla Rolls and, like, unnamed characters aside, like, these are more or less some of the first big, like, bolded on ANN character roles that, um, Kylie yeah, Stewart that's and Caleb Yen are are playing for Funimation or, in general, unless there's something missing, uh, the anime industry as a whole. Well, I mean, we could. Uh, there's a good chance that maybe they have some theater experience in the past, but That's we don't have I'm a way to, as well. like, yeah, to catalog that. Yeah, like theater, video games in the Dallas area, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if they are entrusted with a major, major role in a Funimation dub, they have probably put in a lot of work. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that you don't normally take someone who hasn't um, had some experience and put them in a lead role. Unless right. it's unless it's 1996 and you're Funimation and you're casting Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of the exception <laughs> that proves the rule, though. Like, mm, even then, I true. think a bunch of them were still theater people, so... That's true. The only instance I can think of of someone who like went into voice acting with almost no experience is like Steve Bloom, and even then he had audio engineering experience before that. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I think both Kylie Stewart and Caleb Yen did a really good job with their with their designated roles. Um, like Mary Steinberg is kind of a the tough as nails engineer character. Um, she cares enough to fix people up when their cybernetic operations get botched, but she's also not afraid to, um, to knock some sense into the people she knows. And I think, uh, Kylie Stewart gets that across really well. Um, Tetsuro is just, he's just a teenage kid who's been given this almost godlike power and um i think caleb yen does a really good job sort of playing the angle of trying to figure out the morality of having such a power and whether or not being a kid with such a power is a good idea like i i really like that and um Chris Ryan as Juzo. I honestly wish I had thought of that when I was writing out my prediction. Like, he gives Juzo such a... Like, the right amount of gravel to his voice, like Noah was mentioning. Um, but he also balances the hard-boiled side of the character and the sort of comedic, he turns chibi side. Which is, like, there is a way to do that that doesn't sound like absolute tonal whiplash. And there is a way that absolutely does. And thankfully, uh, Chris Ryan found the former instead of the latter. Uh, it does not feel jarring at all if he is, you know, speaking in his low register. Like reading clues off and then all of a sudden um 
he gets flustered by something and just all of a sudden like oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it doesn't feel like Chris Ryan skipped a beat at all it's it's great like all three of these performances are really good and I hope to hear um, uh, Caleb and Kylie in more roles in the future I think that's yeah it's a definite hmm they will star in the upcoming Chainsaw Man anime coming soon. <laughs> that we hope is coming. Did? That... <laughs> Make my dreams come true, anime gods. Don't do this to me. <laughs> now, which studio would do would make it? I wouldn't put it to Gynax. That, that's... No, I wouldn't put it... Or to Trigger. I mean, Ga I, I, I mean Gynax barely exists anymore. I'm sorry, so I meant no. to say Trigger. Because yeah, you're right, Gynax does not exist anymore. I don't Maybe it's... Oh, 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 I got I got it, I got it, I got it. The, mm -hmm. the studio that made Handshakers. Get out. Go Hands. Go Hands should see, make the Chainsaw see, Man anime. See, you joke, but there is a very small part of me that wants it to be given to somebody who's going to make a real junk piece of B-Pulp. Yes, exactly. It's not because it'd be good, just because no. I would enjoy it. But yes, you and ten other people on this planet would absolutely love it. And the the entire audience for the entire audience for the chainsaw anime. It's just me, Minovsky, and my friend Zach talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> and it's like eh, it looks like trash, but I'm having fun. Uh, oh. Uh, anyways, also, also, I realized that I I forgot to make my joke prediction for Juzo, and I'm very disappointed in myself. But oh well. You, you can you can say <laughs> another edit it in. I don't know. The moment is lost. Aww. Alright, fine, you don't have to put this in, but I want to know who it was now. Uh, I was going to suggest that he should... Uh, clearly, he's an oddball PI. And if you have an oddball PI, there's clearly only one possible choice. Elliot Gould circa 1973 <laughs> when he was in The Long Goodbye. Sadly, it is not 1973. <coughs> and Elliot Gould sounds way too old now. Don't remind me. I wish it was 1973. <laughs> You know, before all this deregulation happened in the 80s and, you know, uh, people got way more money than they should have and somebody had oh, a fighting the, chance. Oh, the pre-Reagan years. They were a fun time. I assume. Uh, yeah, me too, right? <clears throat> and just think, in four hey. more years, Star Wars comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> um, but on to the task at hand. Uh, no, I, I enjoy these. I enjoy. I'm enjoying these roles a lot. Um, I thought Kylie did a really good job as Mary. I think. I, I agree. I think she is kind of a nice contrast to Scarlet, where Scarlet is very feels very innocent. Um, Mary has kind of a similar quality, but she's clearly somebody who's who's had to be more worldly. She has had to deal with a lot of the grimier aspects of existence already. Uh, and that's very reflected in her in her in her character and her performance. I like that she she feels like a little bit of a not a complete moral compass for Juzo, but she is very much the person who will, like, not tolerate his bullshit when he's putting it out and be like, No, just do the right thing. It's not that hard. Uh, which I do appreciate. I, I think she's very entertaining like that. Excuse me. Um, I also really enjoy Caleb as, uh, as uh, Tetsuro. I think he does a good job of making him feel... Like, like you, like the the youthful quality comes through very well. Especially, I think, as we were talking with regards to like he he, you know, he'll use harmony in questionable ways, but it never feels like there's like kind of it's not like kind of malicious or it, it seems almost like he doesn't 
he understands what he's doing isn't right, but he feels like there's an exception here. It's okay in this scenario. And I think there's something interesting to be had about that, and I think it's gonna, it's gonna, I feel like the show is gonna keep playing with that as it goes forward. Um, and I like that, mm -hmm. and it's, it's fun to hear a, such a relatively, I don't want to say green, because obviously he does have some acting experience under his belt, but like such a newer actor be given such a prominent role uh, for both these, both these actors and um, do so well in them. I'd actually know that among the characters we did not talk about, uh, there are some newer characters introduced recently, uh, Pepper and Seven, who are another, uh, some more lackeys of the Broom Corps, and they're also played by uh, actors who have very few credits to their name currently. Um, I know the actress playing Pepper, uh, Marie, uh, Mariana Bay, I think has been acting for a little bit longer, although she doesn't have as many credits on a and uh, but the actor for Seven, Kimmy Britt, uh, is much like Caleb, has mostly done sort of like unnamed walla roles, uh, with, um, a single na uh, named role to her name at this point. Uh, so this is, this is a trend in the show, which I appreciate. I think this is it's fun to hear this, and it's good to see the, you know, these newer actors getting to play these fairly meaty roles, and I think do a very good job at them. Uh... But now onto the star of our show, Chris Ryan as Juzo. Uh, I like, I enjoy Juzo, and I personally enjoy him for a really dumb reason, which is that the way the way Juzo, the way Chris plays him, I don't think this is intentional. I think this might just be a coincidence. But the main thing he reminds me of a little bit is he, because he has a little bit of a, he has a little bit of a nasal quality his performance, and it reminds me a little bit of a movie called Strange Days which is a movie that me and my friend John have tried to watch at least twice and completely failed, uh, because he sounds like the lead character who's played by Rafe Fiennes. The problem is Rafe Fiennes tries to play it with an American accent, which he does not have. <laughs> and as a consequence, the entire time he's trying to be serious, it just sounds like he's doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Hmm. Which I find appropriate because Jack Nicholson has been the star in a noir movie, which he is very good in. And I don't think that's intentional here, but I did think that was an, a fun bit of synchronicity. Well, I mean, does, uh, does Batman really count as a noir movie? Uh, that one, no. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's not the movie you were thinking of, but when I hear noir he's, and Jack Nicholson, that's immediately what I think of. Uh, no, he's the lead in Chinatown, which I think he's very good in, even if that's, like, the most depressing noir movie ever made, because no one you like wins. <laughs> And only, and the only person who gets what he wants is the most reprehensible character in the entire movie. It's kind of a bummer. What, hap um, what happened to the happy noir movies? Happy? Yeah, yeah, you know, those, um, you know, where, like, um, you know, good friendship triumphs over evil, and then the whole world turns color at the end of it. Um, like, Rango? All right, all right. I, I, all right, uh, Noah. I hate to be the one to break this to you, but I, I regret to inform you that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, while a noir, <laughs> is not very indicative of the genre as a whole. You're kidding. You're shitting me. I I am dead serious. Just it's it is a wonderful noir movie, but it is very unindicative of the genre in general. I went this entire podcast thinking I had the noir genre nailed down, and you're telling me that my whole life has been a lie. I'm not going to say your whole life. If you're only going to watch one noir, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is an excellent choice. And that's a movie with a British guy doing an actually good American accent. Look, I think I brought this up before. For years, I assume Bob Hoskins was from Brooklyn. I, I don't blame you. It's I've only just... seen him in things where he had an American accent. Oh, so you've also only seen him in Roger Rabbit, Mario Brothers? <laughs> and and Hook. And Hook. Ah, he's in Hook too, isn't he? Yeah, is he? <laughs> 
Bob Hoskins confusing 90s children since 1990, since 1985. Rest in peace, um, man. Anyways, yeah, rest in peace. Um, now that I've gone off of my tangent, um, I like Chris Ryan on this a lot. I think he is, he's very good. I think he nails the very, the hard-boiled detective aspect of it very well. I think he handles the exposition stuff really well. Um, but I think there's also, like, a lightness to him. Like, this is a character who can crack jokes. Uh, he's not just, like, you know, I think, but, you know, poorly written noir characters could just be kind of, like, brooding, grim brooding machines if they're not written well. Uh, and I think this, for one, he's, this character isn't written like that, but I think Chris also avoids the trap of trying to play him like that. I think this is, he feels well-rounded. He feels like an actual person. Even among all his sort of, you know, staring out the window, smoking, ruminating on the horribleness <laughs> of life. Um, I'm really happy he's in this. I think he does a wonderful job. Um, kudos to him. Like, this is, this is, I haven't seen everything he's been in, obviously, but I think at the moment, like, this is my favorite thing he's been in. I've been really happy with it. Mm-hmm. And on that note, would we like to move over to our final thoughts? Please. Absolutely. We're down to my, right. down to my final cigarette. Ah, I see. Uh, no, would you like to go first? Yeah, so let me take a deep drag here. <laughs> I started the show. Well, it was raining outside. It's always raining here in Michigan. And finally, I came to the realization, this is a really weird show, and I absolutely love that, that's, that you can only get this from anime. because I, So I don't know what the thought process was for the mangaka's creation of this, because I, I like to try to think, like, what was the process for making anything? Like, a slice-of-life show with uh, weird characters, I think, like, it's just kind of autobiographical. Or, uh, you know, a titty-time harem show. Horny guy wants lots of women in his life, and that's easy to deter- that's easy to interpret. This I don't quite know what the the subtext for it was, and this started the manga started back in 2014, so I'm not sure what was going on in Japan around that time. But whatever it was, I'm glad that we got this, uh, like we said before, this noir cyberpunk hybrid that doesn't feel the need to. Um, spend so much time ex- uh, like explaining like what it's like to have a gun for a head. Like, do you get headaches a lot, or you know, do you get gun head in the morning? Like, what what is it? Like, no. The fun part of it is the characters bouncing off of each other in this, uh, you know, corporations are evil storyline. And although I don't like how they discard some of the characters quicker than I feel they should, the overall uh, presentation of it is indeed. A lot of fun episode to episode and you know, so much so that I hope more people will uh, pick up on the uh, the politics of it because you know there's some very not so subtle politics in all of this and for the dubcast to bring that to English in a way that does not feel like there even had there was a Japanese track to begin with is exactly what you should be looking for in an English dub they convey the dialogue very well the quips are good the characters sound distinct from one another so that they bounce off each other really well the audio engineering is very good on this and while it may not be my favorite show of this season which uh, we will talk about that show in a future episode um it is indeed the biggest surprise of the season because i had no idea what it was going into it i only watched it because these guys recommended it and I'm glad that they did, because now I have a lot of interesting things to chew on with a whole lot of violence every week. So thank you, you guys. Thank you, Hardy, who's not here, but we miss him. Thank you, Amon, and thank you, Roots. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Roots. So, this show is 
at the moment playing kind of a precarious balancing game where it is it is cyberpunk it's neo-noir it's you know it has funny moments in it it and so far it's actually playing that pretty well um, at the moment we have like loosely broken up story arcs and I get the feeling that by the time the second core rolls around in April, it'll probably move to a bigger overarching story. Yeah, I would hope. Um, but for now, at, at this point in time, it is a, a good introduction to our main cast and a bunch of other people who are probably going to show up more often. I don't know. Would be nice, but I'm, I'm not fully expecting more than like the core cast. The dub is really great, and there are a bunch of new names that I hope will get to do a lot more work at Funimation or beyond in the future. Um, so yeah, this is a really good show. I recommend it. Um, stellar dub. Bunch of good people working on it. So, yeah. Give it a little bit of your time. See if you like it. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, this is... This might be my favorite show that I watched this season, uh, which... I mean, if you know my taste in fiction, this is not a terribly surprising opinion. It's like, what, I'm on, like, the noir show about the robot with a gun for a head? <laughs> oh, man, next you're gonna tell me you like certain prog rock bands from the 70s. What madness is this? <laughs> um, but, thankfully, this is not just a show that I can enjoy because it's a bunch of tropes I, like, all mashed together and can kind of just get on on that alone without regards to quality i'm really enjoying this show it's really well done i think you know the anime part say is executed i think the dub is really well done i think it matches the quality of the show i think it's been very well cast i like the writing and direction a lot like i have a lot of fun with this and i feel like it is i feel like this this could easily be a very very niche show just because of what's it about and how it presents itself and i think that i think this i think it does a good job of actually being more accessible than it could be I think the dub helps with that a lot. I think this is, it's very, I think it does a good job of emphasizing the, if not fun in sort of, you know, wacky, silly way, at least the fun and like, these are the parts that are exciting and you don't, you know, you can think about the political aspect, but you also go watch a robot with a gun for a head go beat people up, you know, you can do that. You don't, you don't need to, if you don't want to think super hard for that episode, you don't have to worry about it too much. They'll still be fun for you. I mean, they do, they do cut some... They do cut out some of the subtlety by uh, having things like, you know, uh, he has to trust someone to pull his trigger. I was like, hmm, what is that symbolic of? <laughs> it's a little too so kind of going over my head, man. <sighs> You're not wrong. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the show a lot. I think it's a lot. It's great. I'm glad that. Um, uh, this 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 particular season will be wrapping up soon, but I'm glad we know it's coming back in April. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope this uh, I hope we get to watch more of it after that too. I'm enjoying it. Good. Uh, all right. So, uh, if you would like to watch No Guns Life, uh, you can currently watch it streaming, dubbed or subbed on Funimation. Uh, I believe you can watch the first I think three or four episodes uh, for free with ads. Uh, but if you like to watch beyond that, you will need a Funimation account, which I think is at $7.99 a month. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you do sign up, you can sign up for a 14-day free trial. Uh, so you can watch as much as you want on there uh, for free. Do note, you'll, you will have to give your credit card information and you will be um, you will be charged at the end of that 14-day period. 
Uh, but, you know, you might find at that point that, like, hey, having all this anime available to me for, what, $8 a month? That's pretty great. I might keep going with that. Um, uh, if you also, if you would like even more No Guns Life, uh, the original manga by uh, Tatsuko Karasuma has been uh, released by Viz Media in their signature label, so you get a nice little uh, oversized version. It's a little bigger than a usual manga volume. Uh, so far, there are two volumes out. I think the next one is supposed to come out in, like, February, March, something like that. Uh, so if you you can you can look at it and look at uh, Karasuma's you know pretty art, which is a little a uh, little rougher and wispier than what the show has, and uh, I think it's it's a nice it adapts it pretty closely, but I think it's a nice version of the story regardless. Yeah, the, yeah, the artwork they did on the, yeah it is pretty close to them as close as I think we could get to the manga, considering mm -hmm. the restrictions of how difficult some of these characters are to draw. Mm -hmm. No. I think it's it for for you know given that these have to like move and so on. I think this is a pretty good approximation of his art style. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's very well done. Uh, we would like to extend a thanks to our patrons. Uh, if you go to our if you go to our Patreon and uh, donate money to us, you can get your name right off of the podcast and also help support us make this wonderful show. Because unfortunately, uh, we all uh, we all live in a society and need to have like full time jobs and crap and can't spend as much time on this as we'd like to. Uh, but with your support, we can <laughs> spend a little more time on it than we would otherwise, and we thank you for that. Uh, at our, uh, we'd like to thank our, our contributors at the $5 tier, which is Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. Thank you, Jackson. That horrifying image. <laughs> thank, you, ja thank you for that terrifying image, Jackson. Uh, and at the $10 tier, we'd like to thank uh, Carly Lestacow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marco Bermudez, Marissa Lenti. Thank you, Marissa. Love hey, you. Marissa. And we be. Uh, gentlemen, where can people find you on the internet? So you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue. Um, usually my con my uh, my feed is uh, discussions of uh, animation from uh, around the world. Um, because, uh, you know, more countries than Japan and America make cartoons, man. They've been making them for what? a long time. I know it's hard Whoa. to I know it's hard to believe, but yep, Czechoslovakia, Russia, Lithuania, Australia, Antarctica. Okay, not Antarctica, but most countries <laughs> have made cartoons around the world. Seek them out. Live life, man. Live life. Um, and I want to give a huge thanks uh, to Aman for uh, Christmas present this year, which featured some of the very first Japanese anime ever made from like back in the 1920s and 30s. It's really awesome. Uh, catalog of that, and I want to say thank you very much for that, man. You're awesome, Secret Santa. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, so yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Okay. Um, so you can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, where I mainly just retweet cute animal pics. Um, I've been talking a lot of Star Wars lately with the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, fun time. Come hang out. I'm okay. I'm pretty chill. So um, you would recommend The Mandalorian? Oh, hell yes, I do. <laughs> it was, I wasn't quite sure. Um, I also have a blog that I will probably start writing reviews for, like, soonish. So keep an eye on that. Probably. Uh, and if you want to find me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at... I'm on Duel US. Uh, Duel has two U's in it. 
Uh, yes, the, the, the handle is Lucifer Hunklehead. You read that right. That's me. <laughs> I have a werewolf for an avatar right now because uh, I got a commission for Halloween, and it's like, this is a Mary Anger drawing. I can't have that on for, for one month of the year. <laughs> Gotta keep using that. So for now, I'm a werewolf on Twitter until, uh, until I change my mind. <laughs> uh, and if you follow me there, you'll hear me talk about music and movies, and I talk about comic books I read at the store, and we'll be a one-man machine for uh, DC's new horror imprint, because I like everything they put out by that so far, which is impressive. Uh, and uh, I have a dusty old song for you all. Yay! Woohoo! Uh, this, this, this is a tricky one, because my first thought was like, ah, oh, noir thing, but there aren't really noir bands, per se. Uh, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. bands with noirish songs, that's very case-by-case. Case. The closest to, like, kind of a band with that mood would be some of Wall of Voodoo's stuff, like Lost Weekend. Uh, basically any of their stuff that doesn't feel like it's trying to be a Sergio Leone movie. <laughs> uh, which, is, which, is, which is fun, but um, not to everyone's taste. So I decided to go the other way and pick a song with guns in the title that I enjoyed. Ah. So, so my, my pick for Dusty Old Song for this episode is With a Gun by the Minus Five. Uh, which I think is actually about a bad relationship that you probably should not be in anymore. Uh, but it's got a, it, you can dance to it, and it's got a catchy tune. You can whistle. You can, you can whistle it while you're sweeping. That's important. Is that a more recent uh, song or older? Oh, from like the early 2000s, I want to say, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Look, old and dusty is a relative term. <laughs> well, I mean, we're coming up on 2020 here. Loop. Time is an illusion. Lunchtime doubly so. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then we've been recording since tomorrow. Oh, no. This episode's going to be way too long. <laughs> it just never ends. Go ahead and hit never that repl- repeat button. <laughs> uh, just get stuck in a loop somewhere. Uh, and with that, uh, do, we have any, do we have any final notes, gentlemen? Um, make sure that you get your gun uh, cleaned and oiled on a regular basis. And um, corporations are not your friend. Don't give them your information. Don't don't like them on Facebook. Don't give them anything. You don't have to. Only you can stop brand Twitter from doing that all the time. We ch- make the brand <laughs> stop. But Arby's makes such cool cardboard cutout cartoon characters. How can I not I- give that a like? I wish all the other brands were as well-behaved as Arby's. If Arby's was as bad as it got, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But no. <laughs> no. We have to have what's something you can say while you're having sex and while you're watching Netflix. <laughs> and then the rest of them have to be <laughs> on it. What hellscape is this? The one where you've still got money. Yeah. Stop it. Stop having... All, all of you, all you listeners, stop having dispendable income. It's They'll stop coming after you when you have nothing to give. Anyways, uh, on that note, <laughs> this is Dub Talk signing off. Y'all have a good night, everybody. This is Gun Talk saying bang! Otaku on the dubbers. Aloha. Rock on beat Bo- Rock on Cleveland. Rock on Boston. <laughs> You're a prog rock fan, huh? I would never would have guessed. Hajimari wa game